to call this thing. Ah, I got it. Okay. Incredible, new, fantastic, astonishing, mighty, original, uncanny, sensational podcast. I'm just going to put down infamous. Hello and welcome to Infamous, the audio podcast. This is Brandon or Mutilus on the forum. And it's Parker. Go by Tweak on forums. This is Jeremy. No forums. Modoc is broken. <laughs> Modoc is broken. Hot take. All right, well, yeah. <laughs> Jeremy here with the breaking news. Everyone, if you didn't hear, Modoc's good and stuff. Um, anyway. I heard of it on the internet. Uh, moving on. Yeah, he read it. He read it on Encyclopedia.com. Forums. Yeah. All right, uh, so quick announcements for today. Uh, sorry there was no new battle reports last week if you try to watch our battle reports. Uh, life happened and I got busy over the weekend. But that just means there's going to be even more battle reports this weekend. So good to know. I think I, we've got... God. We have 24 uploaded and I got six more in the can ready to go. And that's if we don't do any more tomorrow. Thank God. Alrighty. Uh, so... Yeah, thank God. <laughs> thank God. All right, so that's going to take us into the news. News, 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 news. So, first news is some characters uh, got some errata, uh, or was it more clarification? I actually, I actually don't know exactly what, okay. what happened. See, when you, I said you know. I'll do this later, I meant for you to ignore it, and I would do it. But since you brought it up, let's talk about it. Okay. <laughs> All right. I actually want to know. Um, like, I want to know what it was. Uh, that's fine. Uh, they released a mine. They updated their errata and FAQs document on their website. It's pretty minor stuff. Uh, the Angela model was errata in multiple ways. First off, they clarified her angelic assassin rule and added the line um, after this attack is resolved. Basically, it triggered when you dazed or KO'd someone, but did not specify when the trigger happens. Mm. And so it would happen mid-attack. And so you would then be performing two attacks simultaneously because technically the ability would trigger. You would then resolve it, but you haven't resolved the initial attack yet. So all they did was add the line when this attack is resolved, then the angelic assassin trigger happens. Uh, the second thing they added is the wording on her uh, ribbons. Is it angelic ribbons? I can't remember the name yeah. of the rule, but it's her ribbons rule. And it says that you cannot place the maneuver tool over the top of her while advancing because there was a lot of confusion with like throws and stuff it's like what if i am throwing someone over or an enemy is throwing someone and you have to place the template in a way to contact her because if you think about it, let's say i'm throwing thor into angela right mm -hmm. i place the maneuver tool in contact with thor's base when i go to throw him and i rotate it to the direction i want to throw him well you can't rotate it in a way that would overlap her base which makes it really confusing if you're trying to throw Thor into Angela. Yeah. And so even though you're obviously not moving over her, that was just a weird interaction. So they clarified that it only happens when advancing. So they basically just clean that up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then the game breaking errata that officially will take storm off of your want to playlist. Son of a bitch. Uh, they did the errata. They said they were going to do, and you can no longer place within range one of yourself. Storm is now bad. No one play her. Ugh. please don't. I'm really tired of Total playing bullshit. storm. Trash. Yeah. She's trash. Uh, so if anyone was wondering, yeah, she's literally unplayable garbage. And if you play her, you're clearly bad at the game. That that was a ridiculous nerf that um, 
it made her bad. So yeah, stop playing Storm. Don't even try. Please stop playing Storm. All right. I'm only gonna pay on. two points on threat. She's just two threat now when we yeah, play. Yeah. Oh, okay. Heavy, so heavy she's just gonna <laughs> she's gonna reduce her point cost on Jeremy's own opinion and no yep. other yeah. authority with it whatsoever. Jeremy will it's on the house internet. rule. Storm is Storm is two points. House rule. Yeah. <laughs> also, um, Ebony Maw is two points. Still unplayable. <laughs> I don't think anybody plays him. I don't think anybody plays him. <laughs> you make everybody ball two points. I don't think anybody plays him. Uh, we ranked the all the new- four point models, and Ebony Ball was ranked last at four points. So yeah, yep. All right. Uh, other news: we got a panel to play for Crystal. Uh, she's got some, uh, she's the new Inhuman, um, another member of the royal family. Uh, her powers are all elemental based, and so they gave her not one, not two, not three, but four different attacks. Um, each one with a different wild effect, uh, range, and type. So we'll see different kind of uh, uh, types and wild effects coming out. We know that if you use her wind ability, the wild pushes. Uh, her her volcanic elemental fire one, it, it causes a bleed. Um, we also know that she can do Elemental Onslaught, which uh, is an ability that lets her do multiple attacks, uh, but she has to do different powers. So when when I read that, do you think that means that she'll just like spend some power and she'll get to immediately do two attacks as long as they're different? Yes. Or is that like an action, yes. maybe? It's like charge. It's going to be like charge, but she gets two attacks, but they have to be different attacks. Yeah. Yeah. So No, so uh, obviously that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome efficiency piece. Uh, and we also know that they alluded to, but didn't specify that she might be able to prolong lingering effects of her abilities, um, and that she might be able to use the innate inhuman power for a better result, quote unquote. Well, we don't know exactly what that means. Um, but yeah, it looks like she'll be, uh, re- first glance, she looks more like a kind of a turret character, somebody who might sit there and just pump out a lot of different attacks across the turn. Um, It'll be interesting to see the range of some of those things to see how far away she can do it, but she could be a pretty cool tur- uh, new turret type character. Yeah, um, I think she'll be a lot like Hawkeye in the concept that you're you're taking her for a combination of damage and debuffing, and uh, she's going to be able to lay down a lot. I don't think she obviously will be as mobile, but with how the model is sculpted, uh, with her being standing on the floating rocks, she might actually be mobile. Like maybe she has like an earth slide type effect. Mm-hmm. Or even like a fly power. I don't know anything about her from the comics, so I don't. Maybe she can fly, like she, like Storm can fly, and she controls the wind, so like that wouldn't surprise me. But I don't know if she can fly. I have never, to my knowledge, any comics have ever seen Crystal in any universe. I don't remember her ever flying. Although curiously, the art in the paneled play shows her levitating on wind currents. So interesting. Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, I, don't remember I know a lot. A lot of characters from video games and stuff that are Earth controllers, almost all of them have some kind of movement power. Like they mm-hmm. hover across the ground on a boulder or they have some kind of like rock slide. Kind of like Iceman has the ice flow movement. So I, I think she'll she'll be surprisingly quick maybe is what I'm expecting. But I don't know. It could be a lot of stuff. But obviously she's going to throw damage at people. Um I like that you put in uh, that all four attacks are going to be different damage types. That's really interesting. So wait, yeah. what new damage type are we speculating on now? Bludgeoning? Well, it, it, they said that it was a different types, but <laughs> I don't yeah. know if that means... That, uh, maybe I think to, they mean like yeah. beam and AoE and stuff, probably. Right. Nunchuck gun. 
Well, there's still only three types of attacks. There's normal, there's ranged, there's um, AoE, and there's beam. Those are only three types of attacks. I also so. think they'll vary in terms of like energy, physical, maybe even mystic, maybe? I don't think, probably not. But I think they'll vary between energy and physical as well. So uh, I think she will have a mystic attack, and it's going to be called Words Hurt. And yeah. she just yells at you. Yeah. Like, no. Your mother. Uh, yeah, this is one of the problems I have. I think Crystal's a really cool concept, but, like, I don't understand how her power level is not, like, ridiculous. Like, how is she not one of the most powerful, like, characters in the universe? Like, Human Torch and Pyro are supposed to be, like, strong characters. But, like, they she just has that and three times as many effects. Like, she seems just better than Storm to me. Like, she's, but maybe yeah, her, she, she's just not as strong as Storm is. Yeah, I was going to say, they've never... Like, I feel like she is, like... Have you ever seen Avatar The Last Airbender? She's like Aang without Avatar State, right? Like, she can make move things move around, yeah. but she's not controlling everything in her environment. Like, you know, Storm and Iceman and, and you know, uh, Pyro. Those kind of, like, crazy kinetic... Um, that's, that's the way I've seen her personified before. And maybe somebody, yeah. you know... Uh, maybe somebody can surprise me and tell me they've seen this awesome comic where they really pumped up Crystal's power level and she's doing all this cool stuff. But honestly, most of the time in most comics, she's the damsel in distress that Human Torch rescues. Like in most storyline, that's what she mm. is. So, um, yeah, she's usually the thing. She's the wayward daughter. She's the one who is most fascinated by human culture and uh, romantically excited about Johnny Storm uh, in most different storylines. So, she's. Usually the first she's like in, Princess Peach. Yeah, she's the first Inhuman that you meet. She was also uh, an Avenger for a while, um, so she's also the one of the only uh, Inhumans to spend time in uh, amongst humans a lot. So yeah. All right. Well, I think that wraps up uh, news. Unless we have any more. I think that's that's all the new news I know of. Alrighty. So moving on to currently playing. Um, I know personally I've been playing a lot of the new Asgard people with uh, Angela. Well, really just Angela. I haven't actually gotten to play a game with Enchantress yet because the points keep not working out. But because I don't play event or Asgard because I don't like Loki and every game I've played I've taken Loki. So it's been really annoying. But when you have Hela, when you upgrade Hela to Angela, for some reason, having a third five point character is a lot easier because you're no longer like relying on you don't end up at a weird point total as often. Because with the, uh, it was like the four of them were like 17, right? Because it was, yeah, 10, 4, 3. And so I've been playing a lot of 18 points, which is basically just upgrading Hella to Angela, which is obviously way better. Um, so why? Jeremy, what have you been playing? Oh, I, I, oh, I, I was just curious. So you put, I thought you were, I thought you were interested in like dropping Loki from the list completely when you're building the list. That surprised me you, you dropped him on the list anyway. That was the goal, but I was like, well, I actually just want to play Asgard, and so I have him in there as an option. Mm -hmm. But if you do the math at 18 points, how do you not take Loki? Right. Like, so you got Thor, Angela, Valkyrie, which is 13. All right, you got five points left. What do you do? Well, hell is out. I guess you could bring in Modok, but at that point, why don't you just play Loki? Mm -hmm. Okay. It's just been odd. It's, it's just the small sample size of point totals. So that's just what it is. I don't think I actually have been having good games with Loki, but he's exactly what I thought he was, which is annoying and not really that useful. Like I feel like he's easily replaced with somebody else that can move people, and so that's why I want to get Angela or not Angela, but Enchantress on the table. I actually really like Enchantress's kit, but it hasn't happened yet. Uh, Jeremy, what have you been playing lately? 
Well, we played that game. It was basically a mirror match, but instead of Loki, I took Ronan because um, I think we both wanted to play Angela that day, uh, get the new toys mm-hmm. out. But yeah, that's what I played. Then I played some X-Men a little bit later. That's what I played. Cool. Alrighty. So moving on, uh, that brings us to From the Forums. We have a couple new forum updates for today. <clears throat> uh, several of these are pretty minor, but I figure I'd throw them in. Uh, so first one is an Ant-Man Wasp question specifying on interact extractions. Can they interact with extract objectives? Uh, the answer is yes, they can. They just cannot end up holding the token. And so on like the senator in the safe house mission, you can check the extracts with the tiny versions of Ant-Man and Wasp and see if that's where the senator is. But if he ends up being there, you don't pick it up. It stays where it is, but you still get rid of the other two objectives that makes sense like they have eyes they just can't pick up people yeah exactly yeah and so it's exactly the way it works if you think about it it's just like just clarification in case people are wondering um next up we have who i'm gonna do this one next jeremy i'm only this is only making the show because i know we've played this wrong it's a criminal syndicate leadership ability question uh, on the objectives like Meteors and Mutant Madman, when you roll dice to determine who is currently controlling it, do you count as two contesting models? The answer is actually no, even though I know we played it the opposite, because the actual wording on the ability is it says you count as two healthy models when determining who controls it. And controlling is completely irrelevant to those scenarios, because it's they only care about contesting models. And so you do count as two models when contesting objective for the purposes of determining who controls it any other time you don't count as two and so that's interesting that's just yeah. a little clarification yeah and because intuitively you would think it'd work the other way because it, it's but technically verbatim it does not and i just didn't think about that at the time uh next one up this is an interesting one uh, i don't know if it's actually going to impact the game but just so people understand it's a simple timing chart resolution if you actually dig into the rules but a lot of people don't go by the timing chart uh, so, question is, interaction between Red Skull and Enchantress. Enemy targets Red Skull with an attack. Red Skull uses Hail Hydra, making Enchantress the new target. Will the attacker have the opportunity to pay two power to prevent Enchantress from using her mystic defense? Mm. The answer is no. Because on the timing chart, 2B is where you determine when uh, the the defending player's abilities Excuse me, I'm reading this wrong. Okay, sorry, yeah. So the effect is the attacker chooses abilities that trigger when you target an enemy character. So the resolution is, my model activates, they declare an attack action, I choose the target of my attack action to be Red Skull. Then the the attacker chooses to resolve his effects that happen when you target an enemy. Then the defender chooses to trigger effects that happen when they're targeted. So that's when Red Skull moves the attack. You've already bypassed the moment at which you would have to choose to pay the two to attack Enchantress. And so that's an interesting interaction where basically Enchantress can bypass the opportunity for your opponent to spend the two power to reduce your defense dice. Because the order in which triggers happen. Because attacker's triggers always happen first. And so... The opportunity to spend the two power happens when you target Enchantress, and then it doesn't get moved till after the attacker's already made the decision, which is just weird. So if Red Skull gets targeted and you Hydra 
to Enchantress. She will automatically use her bigger yeah, defense. The attacker does does not get the opportunity to spend the two power to reduce the the defense dice. Huh. And that's just a simple timing chart thing. If you were to look it up on the timing chart, it'd be pretty obvious. Just I think a lot of people don't. That's also cool because she uh, is Cabal, so that's that's a cool interaction. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So obviously, once everyone stops playing Modoc because he's way too expensive at five points, and they put Enchantress in instead for the Mind Stone effect, you know, when that happens, you know, she'll she'll get. Or maybe you effect. just maybe you play just super control Cabal. You play Web Cabal Warriors or Web Cabal, whatever you want to call it, and just do all control <laughs> all the time Cabal. Yeah. Uh, and then the last from the forums we have today is basically. Can a model use the Pentagram of Farley portal to move to an opponent's Pentagram of Farley portal? Oh my god. Both sides <laughs> Both sides are playing defenders and play pentagrams. Can you move between all four points? Do we have any guesses? Jeremy's got the thumbs up. Parker, uh, do you have a do you have an opinion? I wish I could read the card to see if it says like friendly or something on it, but if it doesn't say friendly, then I guess yes. Anything, I guess? weird parker is correct uh it does not say friendly portal yeah well because the reason it doesn't say friendly portal is because both sides can use it it's not a friendly Mm -hmm. ability right and so because it doesn't say allied portal it's interesting that says like it doesn't say move to the other point it says to another portal and so yes you can move to any of the four at that point well any of the other three because you can't move to the same portal didn't you watch avengers endgame that was the answer it was already there People just start well, getting really cubed doc- out of holes. <laughs> yeah, it's more about the Doctor Strange movie when it's just like you weren't sure quite where you were at any moment. I was a little disappointed with the Doctor Strange movie. I did not like the Kaleidoscope movie plotline where it's like, what if a movie was a kaleidoscope? And you're like, I don't see how that's relevant. But he's like, nope, that's the movie. He's like, oh, okay. Because Doctor Strange, doc- outside of the let's just do mirror dimension stuff, was actually really mm-hmm. cool, and I and like yeah. in all the later movies, like Infinity War, he was really cool. All the stuff he does in Endgame is really cool. And it's like that's what I want is I want wizard stuff, and all mm-hmm. they did was mirror dimension things. And I was just like, okay, well, I get that the mirror dimension is a big deal, but like, come on. I also love I the one thing I I like about Doctor Strange is how they resolve the big bad guy at the end, because that's the best kind of Doctor Strange because he's doing he's dealing with these ridiculously powerful demons. So he's just like, yeah, but I'm just going to use like logic <laughs> to make them get really frustrated mm-hmm. and give up because they're always like at the door so I'm just going to keep them right on the other side of the door all the time um, it's mm-hmm. I, I, I like Doctor Strange because the the ending was fantastic although one of the things that frustrates me about that movie is that uh, it all the things he does in that movie invalidate all the things that happen in like Avengers you're just like portal cut off his thing <laughs> you're like uh there's, oh, yeah, like the cut-off-his-hand yeah. thing? Yeah. Uh, well, that even, actually happens in Infinity War. It even happened, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. or, or there's this, that if, you, if you've, uh, if you, if you, I don't know if you guys watch the How It Should Have Ended series on, on YouTube, but there's this, there's this theme that he does in every Marvel movie. Uh, he always does this little clip where Wong shows up and just goes, Mirror Dimension, and the bad guy goes into the Mirror Dimension. <laughs> And he goes, and Wong. And, <laughs> yeah. and, he, and he always, here's a close-up of his face, and he goes, Wong. And he leaves because <laughs> he solved the problem. He just put the thing in the mirror dimension, and now it's, do- now it's gone. Well, 
that's the thing about magic though and why it, it plot lines just fall apart is because yeah. you can at any point say magic doesn't work in this situation or magic does work in this situation right. and so and they they left themselves i think a pretty good scapegoat with the doctor strange looked at every possible future yeah. and every time it didn't work and you're like well why didn't it work and well you don't know like maybe cutting mm -hmm. off thanos's hand just results in some other catastrophe happening like right. they still can't use the stones mm -hmm. and so now you've got all the stones together in one spot maybe someone else shows up and defeats them like like they have the plot armor of saying we tried everything else right. it didn't work you have right. to trust us and you're like i guess like all right there's no argument like i've had this conversation with brian my roommate before and it's like yeah. they should have done this it's like well that wouldn't have worked he's like why not he's like you don't know but they tried it it didn't work 14.8 million mm -hmm. like i guess whatever yeah they did a it's good like, job why don't you just shoot why don't you like at the moment they're trying to take the glove off why don't you just repulsor blast star lord in the face yeah and now hey look we get to get the gauntlet <laughs> off like who knows oh, like maybe like, clearly the only way it happens is if he gets the stone. Like, that's the only way it works out. So you just have to move on. And so I'm glad they did that because if they hadn't, that whole fight situation would have been the ultimate, like, kibitz moment for all the fans. And mm -hmm. the, by doing that, they erase the ability to have a valid argument about it. Right. And so I'm glad we could just move on. This is what they wanted to do. Let's get past it. Yeah, in, in, in writing terms, it's a fantastic, just like, uh, just, just take this at face value, please. Just face value. Don't. Yeah, don't exactly. don't try to figure it out. Just face value. Yeah. yeah, and I really appreciated it in Endgame when they made it to where. All right, yes, we're introducing time travel and a lot of quantum bullshit into here, but we're gonna write so many stop stop gaps into here to say no, we can't do it again to try and keep it on the rails mm -hmm. because it, it's Rick and Morty did it perfectly with the time travel episode. It's like, well, we have time travel now. And it's just like immediately the war, the universe falls apart mm -hmm. because it's just like, well, if this happens, then this happens. And it's just like instantly, like you're sitting in a room with Hitler and then snakes start raining from the ceiling with guns. <laughs> yeah. You're like, well, I guess this is time travel. Yeah. Like there's no other way this could end because well, we'll just send back a robot half a second before your robot gets there. And it's like, Oh my God. Like, so it's like they wrote, they hard blocked it with, we only have enough pin particles for this to happen this many times. And then they also said, look at all the bad shit that happens when you time travel. Thanos shows up and you're like, well, I guess. Yeah. And so they, they tried to make time travel as bad as possible. Yeah. And so I appreciated that. Well, I mean, didn't Deadpool right, well, end up getting topic. Cable's time travel thing? Oh, like, yeah. It's yeah, bad. Yeah. Like, it's real Deadpool. bad. Like, the whole point is that he he knows that he can't do some stuff because, you know, he's read the script. Uh, one of my favorite one, one of my favorite moments in the in the movie is whew, 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 maximum effort, and he goes to choke <laughs> yeah. the camera, and you're just like, oh jeez, oh jeez, off, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, this is so much harder than I thought. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't come back when he was 13. I want to choke a lot of 13 year olds. <laughs> yeah. But then you you know you can't go back in time and kill Hitler because the paradox, right? Yeah. It's like if you went back in time to kill Hitler, then you would have never gone back in time to kill Hitler. Therefore, you never went back in time to kill Hitler. Yeah. A temporal. Because the moment you decide to go back in time to kill Hitler, you've erased the reason to go back in time. Therefore, you would have never gone back in time to kill Hitler. One of my favorite versions of this is that there's this time travel character, and he goes, "You'll cause a temporal parasox," and he goes. 
what? What? You mean like a paradox? He goes, no, look, there they are. And all of a sudden, a pair of socks has just appeared like on the ground. And he goes, ah! And he runs away from them because he's messing with time too much. And so a pair of socks just appears. And that's like a big warning sign, mm-hmm. the temporal pair of socks. <laughs> Everything breaks down to Bill yeah. and Ted's excellent adventure very quickly. Right. Like always. Remember yeah. the trash can. Whoa. <laughs> Remember the keys. Yeah. Duh. Okay, let's get back on topic. Uh, so our topic of the week is going to be meta benders. We're going to talk about things that we think that people need to recognize as um, basically focal points of list building and list selection. And so these are things that either you need to be building or your lists around either playing with them or playing against them. And th- when you're at the table choosing your lists, you need to take into account if you or your opponent have any of these things because it should determine um, basically what you select as part of your squad or how to pick against your opponent's squad. All right, so uh, I know we've kind of touched on this a couple times uh, today and before, but I think obviously the first meta bender we need to talk about is Modok. Um, we've hinted that we think he's undercosted at five points. We think he's overpowered. We think he's really strong. But the, the answer is all that is kind of irrelevant. The fact is that you should uh, pay attention to if you or your opponent have Modok, like should you play with him or should you not? Um, so I guess the question is, and I know we've said this before, why isn't Modok in your list? And so, do you, Jeremy, do you have anything to say about this? Like, do you think there is a reason not to play Modok? I know we personally make an effort not to put him in every list because that's boring. But I think... So one of the main reasons he doesn't go in lists is if I'm taking um, Asgard because everything's so expensive um, and I don't tend to put mm-hmm. a whole bunch of expensive models into a list, but I tend to find myself wishing I had. I'm like, ooh, could I put Thor in? I'd rather have Modok. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, if the, you can't make the points work, like if you've built a, a list concept around something, like let's say, for example, I'm playing um, X Men's a perfect example here, actually. So X Men obviously are very important to get their leadership ability with Storm because her leadership ability is really good. Oh wait, it's been nerfed. Now it's bad, right? <laughs> so you need the three X Men characters because if you break down list building into what is actually squad building. Um, Getting affiliated is a pretty easy thing to do. So if we look at the options, basically you're going to play somewhere between three and eight characters is realistically your your choices. So getting the majority at, at all the different sizes, obviously you're going to need three X-Men, right? Because you're not going to have a three character list. It's actually, I don't even think really possible outside of Thanos to run a three character X-Men list. Not to mention that list would be terrible. So don't do that, guys. Don't run a three-man X-Men list with Thanos. Says you. Uh, but So you're going to need three X-Men because you're not running a three-man list. And at four people, you still need three X-Men. Now, that means you're not going to have six people because then you need four X-Men. And so really, you're looking for the three X-Men. Well, three X-Men is going to cost you a minimum of nine points. And that's only if you're willing to take Taskmaster. If you don't want to take Taskmaster and you want to actually play three real X-Men... You're going to need to take a four-pointer. So you're spending 10 points on your X-Men side. So then maybe sliding in MODOK at five points isn't a realistic option based on the synergy of your list. 
And so that's a perfect example when when Modoc probably shouldn't make your list. Like when he's actively fighting the the concept of your list, obviously you shouldn't try and force him in. Parker, do you do any list building with Modoc that you uh, you've noticed some interesting trends? Um, I always put him in the list where he's a faction member, and the fact that he's currently sure. two, uh, like I drop him in. But I actually don't often reach for him when I'm building another list. But um, there is like this. There's there's a point to be made where okay, this character on my list costs five points. He's a member of my faction. Uh, is he ever better than Modoc? And the answer is almost always no. Like I was trying to think of uh, when we started thinking about this this topic exactly, I was like, okay, can I spend five points on a model, and I know it's better than Modoc? Uh, if there's like some in certain meta situations, like if you're going up against Ultron with you know Age of Ultron, and you ha- you might want Ghost Rider or Ronin to deny him that you know tactics card, like that's the kind of the super like counter choices that maybe that's five points you'd rather have but like I, I don't I'm trying to think of like a world in which Ghost Rider or Ronin does more than Modoc does in a given game like mm-hmm. in, in, in any average game so so that's the, that's the problem with that's maybe the problem with Modoc is he's he's five points you can't spend better in any other faction probably yeah I, I think he's definitely on the short list of like if you only have five points if you have exactly five points to spend I, I, it's a really hard argument to say someone's better uh, obviously if you are using anything outside of five points then that makes it harder so building your list around Modoc if he's if he's part of your strategy or you've decided to put him in um, things to know about him basically are going to be like which scenarios he enjoys to play I found I like deployment echo scenarios for Modoc. He's really good for holding your back point because as people will come up and try and contest the center point, they're in his like ultimate doom zone, which is what I like to refer to it as. <laughs> uh, so that's obviously really strong. Uh, other deployments that are pretty good for him, I think, are uh, Bravo because the square box type formation, the two objectives on each side are fairly close together and you count his large base he can threaten the opponents uh on that side of the table pretty easily and Mm -hmm. so you can put him there he's pretty hard to move due to his prevention of wilds and his large size so you put him over there and he can threaten the other the other objective and with his ability to move people he can affect that scenario very strongly and so i think that's really important to, to keep track of so i think those two deployments by far the best for him. Um, Charlie, he doesn't really like because it makes him move way further up the table than he wants. Um, Delta with the diamond shape is not so great either because while he likes to sit about where your defensive location is there, a lot of the models are going to congregate towards the sides of the table, which means he's not going to be very effective because nobody's in range of him really. Um, which means he's going to have to abandon a point and then, again, go go walk to the middle of the table on the side of the board. So um, let's see what else we got. Alpha is the only other one. Alpha and Foxtrot. Uh, Foxtrot is only on extracts, as far as I can recall. I don't think there's a... F- I think it's just cubes. I can't think of... Oh, Spider People. Um, Spider People's the only other one, I think. Yeah, so uh, Foxtrot is okay for, obviously, Modoc. There's a lot of extracts. Um, and then the last one, Alpha. Alpha's okay. Uh, basically, again, we're only talking about Mystic Wakandan Herbs. 
and it's just such a weird mission. Uh, I guess he's okay at it. He's definitely not going to be your model that goes to get the uh, the herbs from the other side of the table, but he is really good at preventing your opponent from getting their herbs because he can walk them away before they get it, or once they've picked it up, you can walk them back. Um, he's really good about eliminating the person holding the herbs. Uh, so I think he's good as a defensive model on deployment A. He's good on Bravo. He's good on Echo. He's kind of a wash on Foxtrot because there's no secures on Foxtrot. And then um, bad on Delta, bad on Charlie. Um, so I think the important thing to recognize, let's talk about um, opponent's list now. When does Modoc um, being in your opponent's list affect your decisions? What do you guys think? Um, if there's terrain, to look at where the terrain is and what you can do with it, um, I think you have to you have to recognize that. Are, are you asking if you look over and you see that they're playing Cabal and also he is in the list? Or are you saying... Yeah, so mostly about squad building. Like, if you see Modoc as... Yeah. A, either just in your opponent's roster or if it's like the list is built to where they're obviously probably going to take them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like what decisions should you make? You have to look at your list that you have and know that you have something to cause Modoc to never be able to do anything without moving. He has to waste mm -hmm. half of his activation moving. You cannot let him shoot you twice. He cannot do that. Yeah. If if he's able to shoot you twice, then you've done something wrong. You've allowed it to happen, which is egregious in this game. You cannot allow Modoc to yeah. turret you. If you've done that, then things are probably going bad for you. Um, so mm -hmm. you're looking down, you're going, okay, Shuri, here you go. It's your, it's your time to shine. Um, you have folks that have the, um, the stone that walks people away. Like, you need him to walk out. You need him to be thrown out, pushed, that sort of things. And you should have those tools available. I mean... That that's that's why they're there. Yeah, if you're taking a list without control, or if you're taking a roster with very minimal control in it, uh, that's probably a bad thing for you at this point. Once you've already been paired up with your opponent, so talk about roster building. Knowing that Modoc's in the game and he is a very popular and powerful piece, you probably need to have an idea about how you're going to deal with someone playing Modoc. Like Shuri's a good example of an option. She can push him away while staying out of his personal threat range. Uh, anyone who can throw size 4 models as a superpower or that is not dice dependent on wilds because obviously you, you're not going to be able to get the wilds against him. So some like Thor or Kingpin who can walk up and just throw him regardless. I, actually, now that I say that, I don't think Kingpin throws size 4. So never mind on Kingpin. But someone uh, like Thor or Hulk that can just spend power to throw him. Black Dwarf's another good, good option. He can just spend power to throw him away. Um, I, I was going to say... Actually, I don't think throwing, like, here's one of the problems with him is his health is so low, high and the wild defense is so strong. You can't, like, there's a lot of models in the game that are super threatening and your game plan can immediately be, I'll eliminate that model before they do something amazing. But Modoc is going to do something amazing. Like, they made him way too defensive. So throwing is only useful if you can throw him so far away that he can't, you know, immediately just wail on you kill you because i don't know if you're well that's that's what i'm saying is yeah i'm not saying throw him to deal damage i'm saying throw him to get him off his spot right because but, if you if you throw you got to remember also he's on a large base so when you throw him you're getting to move him that much farther than you would a normal model because mm -hmm. the front of his base 
to the, where the front of his base will end up being is going to be even farther than a normal model. So if you walk up on so, like a Thor or Black Dwarf who throws at range 2, you'll easily get him out of range 3, maybe even out of range 4 of you with the throw. But more importantly, you might be protecting the models that you have behind them, and you should probably save a move action to move away from him if you can't get out of range 4. Yeah, it's one of the things about him that's very interesting is you can't you can't like outgun him or just shoot him down, uh, barring some really weird, crazy, you know, out of this world dice, which you can't count on, right? You're not counting on that when you're just deciding things. Mm-hmm. So, but any pieces in the game that you have that get better against elite models, where they, where you, you know, your opponent has a lower model count, so uh, staggers, um, like choke effects, like uh, Ghost Rider. I actually think Ronan the Accuser with the Power Stone is a really interesting, like, I, I'll go up against Modok one-on-one, and it will not be a, a walk, I won't walk over him, but I don't think anybody walks over Modok, but uh, accusing Modok and staggering Modok really consistently is one of the only ways where Modok can actually stand in the middle of the field, and you won't, he won't get to do all of his things, because Ronan will be choking him without actually controlling his position very much. Um, but that's, like, you have to... Basically, it's not that you have to take five points to beat Modok, but you have to devote attention in your list to controlling him, or he's just going to walk all over everything you do. Throw stuff at him. That's the way to get him. You have to throw things at him. Yeah. He is weak against dodging. Um, Yeah, if you can pile a bunch of damage on him that way, that's good. Uh, He's weakest to physical. I'm looking at Ronin now. So, Kree Justice is a four-cost... If you damage them, you stun and stagger. Obviously, getting stagger on Modok super good. But this is exactly like we were talking about. Like you, you can't just delete him, right? It's almost no. impossible to just delete him outside of like extremely fortunate situations. So you need to line up an ability to reduce his his effectiveness while you focus on him, mm-hmm. or if you can control him to the point where you can almost blank him out. I know the times I've done this the best have been with uh, Magneto. And so what will happen is Magneto will get placed with um, either with Red Skull into range or he'll just take a move action to walk up. You'll walk up, you'll throw a bunch of stuff at Modok, and then you'll shoot him with a reverse polarity and push him away. So you actually, with your range 3 attack pushing short, you're getting him well out of range 4. So he's spending an action just to get back where he was, and then he's attacking you through your moderately good defense with a single attack. And then you're doing a lot more damage to him because the the throws don't care that he's got force field, like, and he mm-hmm. can't use his rerolls on dodge rolls. So you're getting a lot more premium damage in, and your characters are pretty comparable at that point. So that's a good option if you have a Magneto. Obviously, mirror match of Modox is kind of annoying, but it's honestly a good way to try and deal with him. Uh, but basically, yeah, you need to have some plan. There's a lot of ways, and I'm sure you could look up other people's strategies of how to deal with Modok. And sometimes the answer is just avoid him. Like, if he sets up on uh, deployment delta and he chooses a side, just go to the other side. If there's only one thing over there, like maybe put like a Black Widow type model over there, go get your extract point and get out of there. And just do not fight Modok. Like, let him have a five point model stand on a secure the whole game. Like, just avoid him. Because if he leaves the point, then you can run back around and try and flank him. Like, that's a, a possible option for you. It's obviously a lot harder if he gets his deployment Echo or deployment Bravo, because then he's affecting a lot more of the hard points on the table. And so I guess the strategy I'm, try- I'm basically trying to say is 
take great care when you're choosing scenarios. If your opponent has MODOK, probably if you can, obviously choose the secure missions and choose a secure mission he doesn't want to play. Like choose one that's up on the center line, like Meteors is a good example for that. Or choose um, Delta or Charlie is pretty much your two best options, I would say. Don't let him trap you in a mission like Gamma Waves or Demons, where you're going to have to like stand in the middle of the table. Yeah, and if you're having trouble um, with MODOK, which everybody does, and this is to say, like with all of this information, MODOK is still the highest percentage chosen uh, for games, and that's tabletop simulator tournament stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But he's the number one. Like He's the most chosen model right now currently amongst the meta online and all that so but for three points you can take shuri and that will help Mm. you so as a player that might be struggling with it take shuri uh shuri can push him off he will have to walk back in every single time uh she also gives re-rolls and she's also really good this might be obvious information but it's legit information like that will help so i am i I'm an absolute hater of tabletop simulator data for using in-game purposes. Or not in-game purposes, but for like strategy purposes. Mm-hmm. However, in this specific situation, I think this is way more valuable than average information. Because when you're when you're taking the game to an abstract situation like playing on a simulator where it's it's not necessarily aesthetically pleasing, it's a lot more um cold and un- disattached from like the emotions of the game a lot of people get into miniatures games because they have an attachment to the the content of the game like in this specific situation marvel superheroes or they have some attachment to modeling and so when you take all that away what's left is the people that want to play the game mechanically and when that happens they're the people that are generally more analytical and making like dispassionate choices they're not choosing to play thor over modok because they love thor they're choosing to play the best model because in this situation it's literally a game piece it's just it's just, a, it's just a pog on a model it's just a pog on a screen yeah so, you're, you're yeah. moving you're moving a poker chip around like who cares what this guy is like you don't get the true feeling of playing the model which is, mm-hmm. draws a lot of people to miniatures games but it's also a lot of the nostalgia factor and so when they when if it's people grinding games on tabletop simulator, they're probably a le- lot more dispassionate about the factions they choose, and they're making the choices. And it's also not dollar dependent; like it's a thirty five dollar model, that's also out the window because it's free on tabletop simulator. And so I think that it's more valuable information because we're we're seeing a lot more people make choices solely around stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a really good point, Jeremy. I'm glad you brought that up because. That should show everybody, like, MODOK is everywhere. People are playing him. And even if they're only playing him on Tabletop Simulator, that means they're probably more likely to play him at the store. I guess a lot of our listeners probably play on Tabletop Simulator, so I shouldn't assume they don't, but... But, I mean, you know, with that said, I'm on the other side. Like, I think he's kind of a goofy-looking model. He's not my favorite to play with, and he might be the right answer, but a lot of times I just take something else. Um, It's just Mm -hmm. more fun. Like, I... I like painting my dudes. I like pushing dudes around that are cool. Uh, so, you know, it may not be the best model, but it's a badass model. It has a cool story. Like, sometimes that that's just what the driving force is. It depends what day it is. I disagree so much. I think his model is so awesome. Like, he's just, like, so angry. You and like him because he has hair. He's like, Meh. He has hair. Yeah. He's fucking so mm-hmm. weird. 
<laughs> he, he's exactly what a supervillain should be. It's so funny. Oh my god, so goofy. Okay, so I think. Do you think we've l- missed anything for Modok? Like, do you think we've talked about everything? Obviously, scenario selection is really important. Making the the acknowledgement during squad building, because it. Okay, so let's talk about. It. So first, you're going to make plans at the roster stage. Either you're going to choose to take Modok because he makes your list better, or you're going to choose to put models in your list to help deal with Modok. Both of those things can happen at the same time, but they're also both very important. So have a plan for playing against Modok, and if you're not playing Modok, maybe consider him if you want. If you don't want to, that's fine. We're not trying to tell you you have to play Modok. But have a plan for playing against him for sure. Having Modok in your list makes it easier, obviously, because it's a mirror match, but that's obviously less fun to play. Uh, so next stage is going to be um, mission selection. Uh, recognizing your opponent's roster has Modok in it, it means that you need to try and choose the blue missions because you're going to choose where the battle is fought on the table. Not choosing the deployments that he likes on secures specifically is going to help you a lot if you get priority. If you don't get priority, obviously your opponent's going to get to pick that. But that doesn't mean you still can't choose an extract mission that complements playing against him. Like choosing the worthy, for example might seem like a good idea because you can maybe get more dice against Modok. Problem being that Modok has the chance to get more dice against you, so I would avoid the worthy because I think that's a mistake a lot of people that haven't played the scenario would want to do. If Modok gets more than one hammer, the game ends. Modok <laughs> will win. It's the apocalypse. Like, like, it's, it's wor- it might be the worst model in the game to allow to get two hammers because he can roll four attack rolls in a round without Cosmic Invigoration or all you've got. Like, he can potentially make, what is that, 12 attacks in a round? Jesus. Activate, Cosmic Invigoration, all you've got. Like, it's game over. And he'll have the power to do all of that if he wants to. And it won't matter because he'll never play all you've got because all your models will already be dead. Yeah, he's pretty brutal. He, he's but anyway, yeah. very strong. So, I was, I was going to say one and more. And so you... Yeah. I was just going to suggest one more mission real quick. Do choose, if you get stuck choosing Extracts, Choose a spider-infected invade Manhattan because if he picks up an extract and there's five of them and you can only hold one at a time, so he's probably likely to because they're they're probably playing a low model count list with Modok and they need as many of those points as they can get. And so he'll pick up one of the, the infected and then if he rolls a hit, you get to push him out of where he wants to stand. Like that's a great mission for you because you can put him off of his spot for free. Like so, that's something you should definitely consider if you get stuck choosing red. Parker, go ahead. Um, as as strong as Modok is, and like as like gold standard as he is for five points, um, I don't I don't feel like he's a big boogeyman. Like I'm not I don't if I'm going to a game night or if I'm playing on TDS, <clears throat> I'm not going. Oh man, I do not want to see Modok again because as soon as I see Modok, I just don't want to play this game anymore. That's not that's not how I feel at all. I I think you haven't played enough games against Modok. I guess. <laughs> I mean, he's really. I mean, he's really strong, and he can put the game on his back by himself. And he is the best five point model. But I still, I I would I would want to see Modok five times before I saw Web Warriors list. Uh, maybe it's just because. Well, that's maybe it's just because that's the entire they, faction, though. I know, but that entire, but but I guess it's just kind of the way Modok is going to play. You know, he's going to play this you know high efficient, high number, high action economy. Um, high damage, but he still plays mostly an attrition game. He has some control effects that are great, but he you know he plays well, to kill you. 
um parker and that's interactive i would point out that those two things aren't mutually exclusive like at 18 points i could definitely see someone cutting venom for modok in a web warriors list and then what? like he's Uh, more controlling than venom is then i would politely take my models off the table (laughs) bid them good day (laughs) i say good day (laughs) no but that's that's kind of my point here it's not that Oh, I'm so scared of one model. It's that this is this is something that is not only powerful but popular. So it is going to be something you will have to deal with at some point. And if you find this interaction frustrating or undesirable, you should have plans going in. Uh, and I think that the most important reason that he's a, one of the meta benders is he is hard to deal with. Like it is, it's not like a normal model. Like if Ronan is causing you problems, go kill Ronan. Well, that mm-hmm. plan doesn't necessarily work against Modok. Right. Like, because he's not going to walk into your attack range, right? Because he's so long ranged, which means you're going to have to walk into his attack range, which generally is going to cost you an action unless you have mobile characters. So you're going to spend one action to move in, one action to attack him. And let me tell you, the average attack against him is going to do probably less than one damage. Yep. It's, it's freaking worthless. And then he's going to attack you back and move you back out of that said attack range. And which might not daze you, but probably will. And so next turn, you're going to do the same thing. Walk back in, do very minimal damage, and die. And so you have to overwhelm his defenses. That's really hard to do. And so that's why I think it's important to have a plan. Because he's not like other models. I I 100% support the idea that you have to have a plan for him, or you should expect to lose. I guess my point is, if you you play the game without any plans, and you're just going to play... You know, and you don't play against your opponent. You only play your own game plan. Then you should also expect to lose. I think Modok definitely doubles down on that because he's such an effective model for his points. Hmm. But I don't think I, I'm not. I uh, I don't table flip when I see Modok. I don't like. I'm not. I'm not frustrated by him. I go okay. I'll have to play the game this way. So I'm I'm totally fine discussing him. But if somebody's listening right now, going oh man, and they're nervous about Modok, and they go it's an auto loss if I see Modok, and I don't know exactly what to do. That's not. Yeah, that's not true. That's not true. Yeah. I think every Modok player's had the game where Modok was pretty uneventful, but it's yeah. pretty rare. Yeah. Uh, but I think that is pretty much all we have to say about Modok. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about other meta benders, and these don't have to be characters. Obviously, I have uh, I have two more cards in mind. I think we need to talk about at least somewhat, and I, th- I don't think we'll spend as much time as we did on Modok. Modok's just such a complicated situation. Because he is a very complicated character. Like, talking about it, if you do the the math of he has 10 hit points on the front, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you do the average math on an attack die is 1 eighth of a, of a die is 1.125. And you normally have four successful results. So you multiply that by four. But in this case, you don't get wild. So it's actually only 0.375 damage per attack die. And so if you do that... 10 divided by 0.375 is 27 attack dice to cause 10 damage to him. And that's where a lot of people don't think about that. They go and it's like, well, I have Hulk smash for, you know, I'm going to roll 11 dice against you. Well, the 11 dice you're rolling is only going to get like four hits and you don't get to trigger the throw, which you were counting on. And so it's, you're losing like so much more damage than you would expect you are. And I don't think a lot of people do the math on that. Then, and there's no way around the no wild, so you can just mod your dice. The and this I get this brings me into my big meta bender, which is uh, 
I, I'm just going to lump this into a big category to make it easy to talk about, which is anything that heals. Anything like okay. being able to drop in Wong, like, or a med pack, uh, or field dressing along with Modoc, and you're just compounding that those sins so hard. Um, anything that heals is a big meta decision. It's I think it's maybe to I'll go ahead and say it is the biggest no duh like decision right now in this game, which is you're bringing heals right. What 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 are why aren't you bringing heals? You better have the. I don't actually. I, here, here's a great question. Is there a reason why you would ever not bring heal cards or even heal models in addition to heal cards into your list? It seems heal is so strong. Such a meta. Healing is very strong. Jeremy, do you want to answer his question? Mm, I mean, I can answer the. Like, there's sometimes you don't need heals, i.e., um, web warriors. They don't actually. They if they take a hit, they die. But they don't take hits because they're so far away doing their thing. You don't get near them. You don't do your thing. Um, and usually it takes at least three to four hits to kill any of them. Um, so they don't actually need it as much as. Um, I mean, again, a table flipping moment is watching fucking Modok get healed over and over by Wong. Like, that makes me want to just quit the game entirely. It's one of the most frustrating things there is. Now you say, oh, kill Wong. Really? Against Modok? Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. How in the fuck is that happening? Like, (laughs) Ignore me while I walk around Modok to kill Wong, and you're like, good luck with that. I hope you're speed long enough for actions. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, I, I concur that healing in the game, at least right now, is out of control. I would throw um, Doctor Strange into this mix of metabenders because we're talking about healing. Yeah, yeah. So no one does it like he does. Between Wong and him, I think that the game has flexed into a new thing. Um, and I would say this bends into its own thing. Uh, and I, I'm not any good with Doctor Strange, but Brandon is. So have at it and, and discuss what causes this to happen like it does because it's insane. It really is tough. Well, Doctor Strange is is healing is such an afterthought of his kit. Healing is more of the healing is literally med pack for him. It's not there as the plan. It's there for when the plan isn't working. The plan for Doctor Strange is to control the the important enemy models to the point where they're ineffective and then increase the dice on your side into such an efficient manner that now that we've we've made this an even fight like let's say i've got a bunch of average characters in doctor strange and you've got a couple important characters his control is really bringing them down to normal status and then he's going to add dice to your defense rolls and or re-roll enough dice to then give you the advantage versus their effectively now average characters that's how i see him and then the healing is basically saying my opponent got lucky and is making this close. Let me erase that real quick. And you just move on. He gives you such command over the battle, which is one of the reasons I, I like him a lot because you, you get to decide where your opponent's models are sometimes if they activate or not. And then also you get to decide which of your models don't die. Like how are any of those things not extremely powerful, but full, full cool kit aside, uh, the the moment in the game that I decide, okay, well that's a you know that's a seven point or whatever Doctor Strange sitting there taking up a lot of points in his roster, commanding my troops instead of me, 
So I'm going to take him down. So I take my offensive model and I take him down. And he didn't. I got him before he activated that turn. So now he's you know down. And you're like, cool. Field dressing. He heals himself. Now he is literally what you did for all your effort is you put yourself out there to get exactly nothing <laughs> except you talk, you cost me a tactics card. And now Doctor Strange is I, still eating your man's. That that's I that's what I mean. That's person. what I mean by yeah. healing being the problem. Because Doctor Strange is a great model, but healing is the meta bender there. The fact that you could just whoop. Sure. So what I'm trying to say is I'm the first person to say that field dressing is overpowered and probably should be looked at in some way. Obviously, it being on the restricted list helps a little, but really it just says other cards can't be in your roster is all it says. Because field dressing is obviously the best card in the game, and I, I don't even think it's remotely close. Like it's If you were to make a – what is there? I'm curious here. There are it's like eighty at this point. Roughly a hundred. There's ninety-eight tactics cards according oh to this list I have here, which might not be up to date. There's ninety-eight tactics cards. If you were to make a one to a hundred list, the two empty spots would be two and three, right? <laughs> like that's my opinion of field dressing. Like yeah. it, it's so not close. And if you want to put drop off back on the list, like unbanned drop off, drop off is three. Field dressing is so much better than drop off. It's not close. Do you know why? Because drop-off requires dice to happen at some point, and field dressing doesn't. Mm. Field dressing says undo dice, which is the best card in the game. Also, it's gotten much better as healing's been added to the game. Back when the back when the sure. only back when the only way to heal the character was to do field dressing and then another tactics card, it was you know, there's a lot of resources pouring in. But now when you've got two you got three characters that can heal themselves just willy nilly, they just do it. You've got mm-hmm. Doctor Strange who can heal himself for power. You got Wong who can heal somebody else for power, and he drops in easily in every list. Like you got so many characters right now that benefit from field dressing. I actually disagree and that's with not this to say pretty heavily. I think field dressing is better with healing in the in the meta. I think that's true. I think it is a, I think it's a false conclusion. I definitely follow your logic train, and I thought that for a while too. But realistically. Unless you are already so far ahead at the point you've played field dressing, it actually ends up hurting you a lot in the long run, which is one of those weird, like, timing things like, oh, I'm going to try and kill uh, Thor before he goes, but really all you did was give him five power, and so you've just killed yourself. Um, When you field dress one of your characters, if you are then going to invest so many resources, such as playing med pack, to get them back to four hit points, it sounds really good. But more often than not, what happens is that you lose priority when you play field dressing because you're gaining an activation and you're just allowing them to then daze you next turn because you are, you're generally not going to get back to full health, which means you're going to be injured going into the turn, but you're also usually giving up priority when you play field dressing. Sometimes you don't, most of the time you do. So obviously it can be effective, but I think the games that it really is powerful are games that were already decided. Like when you play field dressing, the question should be, is this activation going to win me the turn or maybe win me the game? Like that's, that's how powerful field dressing is. When I play field dressing, it's when I know the game is over. Like I, I playing this card is ending the game. It might take two more turns to figure out, but the game is over when I play field dressing. And the game doesn't come back to not over until my opponent plays field dressing. And if he doesn't, I win the game. Like that's how powerful this card is. So the problem with field dressing is it allows other cards like the healing cards like Med Pack and Doctor Strange. Like you can field dressing Doctor Strange. He can then Med Pack himself. And if he felt like it, heal himself on top of that. Like you can just put 
Doctor Strange back to full in one activation. Normally that's not possible. Med pack is the closest you could get by healing yourself three. Wolverine can then heal himself two and be six out of seven remaining, which is good. But I think that's a lot of wasted resources on Wolverine. Field dressing is obviously, I think, the compounding problem. The, the massive amount of healing is great, but there are going to be those games where they, they cap you out before you get a chance to heal. Or they, they jump on you after you activate. And so those that's really what's supposed to rein in healing. The problem is field dressing is removing that limiter. So, Grievous Wounds. It's ah. bad. Oh, man. I played it. I thought it was going to be amazing. I did not actually bother reading the card. I just, someone told me what it was, and we talked about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's going to be able to stop healing. That's going to be great. I never actually read the card in full. And then I read it, and I was so disappointed. Oh, so how come? Oh, it's not on the the... the sheet yet um well i'm gonna have to do this from memory because it's apparently not on the database yet so grievous wound says when a character is activating and they make an attack action they can spend one power if this attack deals damage the opposing model cannot have damage removed you must deal damage with the attack mm. oh my god why is that limitation on the card yeah that is so frustrating not only are we already talking about the most random mechanic in the game because it is extremely punishing or extremely worthless based on random mechanics of dice that, okay, so you're attacking Wolverine, right? And you leave Wolverine on one through no fault of yours and 100% RNG, random number generation, deciding that Wolverine lived at one, you are now horrifically punished for no other reason than you got unlucky, right? Like, if you devoted double the resources normally expected to kill him, and maybe even more than that sometimes, and he just decides to roll three blocks on every attack, and you're just like, well, I went from doing 11 damage to five. And so now when I throw something at him and he dodges all but one of it, he won't be dazed. And so it's like, what do you do? Like, there's no answer. And so you're punished for for being unlucky. So it's just a doom spiral that just goes down and down and down. And then the and then after all this is done, you're like, okay, well, I'll just play Grievous Wounds. And like we're in the exact same situation. It's just a double down on bad luck card. Right? Because you're like, all right, I go with Grievous Wounds, and you have to play it on the first attack. Because if you daze him on the first attack, you then can't play Grievous Wounds. <laughs> and so, like, it should just be like marked for death. Just like, I spend two power. And your guy has this card now. It should not be on a random chance. It shouldn't even have to happen during activation. It could be, it literally should be marked for death. It's like, I play this mm -hmm. card, it costs, make it cost four power, I don't care. We need the mechanic to stop healing. Like, you need to be able to say, it's like, alright, Hulk doesn't get to field dress. He doesn't get to deposit a Hulk in the middle of my army and get to wait for everyone to activate and then play field dressing. <laughs> And then activate Hulk. That should not be a fucking option. Mm -hmm. It's like, surprise, here's my 10 power Hulk with it with 19 damage. Who would have <laughs> guessed this would have happened? Field dressing guest. That's who guessed. Like, what the fuck? That's so stupid. And not even that, but if you somehow end up with priority, he gets to go first next turn too. What the fuck? It's so game-breaking. It's so annoying. You basically just have to avoid those situations. Because at that point, you're putting 100% of the outcome of the game on RNG. And you're just like, at the moment you start playing that game with your opponent of, can you kill Wolverine? Like, that, we're just done. I'm not playing this game anymore. I'm going to go do something else. Which I think is the answer. 
you, when when they try and sucker you into that situation, it was like, well, here's Wong and Doctor Strange with their good old friend Logan. What are you gonna do? It's like I'm gonna go over here because you have uh, L, what 14 points standing on this random secure. It's like I'll go to the other secure and just let you do your thing. I don't care. So, so you're saying Grievous Wounds doesn't work? It's is it that bad? Is it unusable? Because how it requires... many attacks? How many attacks in the do you make during a game that don't cause damage? Probably about 30 percent. Maybe a little less than a third, so I'd say like yeah. 30% of attacks don't deal damage. Well, that's the odds of this card being fucking useless. And it's so annoying. Like, I've made Hulk smash attacks that did zero damage so many times. It's like, we'll just use it on a premium attack. No, there is, like, yeah, I use my Wolverine. I play Grievous Wounds. I attack you. Technically, this attack has like an 80% chance of dealing damage. By roll, hit, hit, nothing. No pierces, no bleeds, no Grievous Wounds because my opponent rolled two blocks. Really? Not to mention, like, one of the characters you want to put Grievous Wounds on is Thanos, so he can't get med-packed and patched up. And mm. then you're like, oh, no big deal, you know, he just prevents one damage all the time. Oh, he's got the Reality Stone too, so he's average blocking three. What attack does four damage to Thanos again? What are the average, like, attacks that do four damage? Oh, there aren't any attacks that do four damage on average. Oops. Mm -hmm. It's like... It's just, it's very frustrating. Especially when they can, like, oh, I'm going to take damage for Grievous I'll play Recal. And you're like, great. Like, <laughs> like even after you've done yep. all this, now I have to reroll my fucking dice anyway. It's right. like, oh my god. Yeah, it's oh, good. and it doesn't, and it doesn't stop bullshit like Ultron. Because he, quotes, died. So Grievous Wounds is gone, and he comes back to full health. And you're like, this should be exactly what stops that. Yeah. Like, what? So basically, Grievous Wounds is such, it's so reliant upon dice and the, such a, such a Rube Goldberg, as, as you'd think. Oh, don't be wrong, still in my list. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because that's how powerful field dressing is. Because on the, what, on the two and three chance you stop a field dressing, it wins you the game. Mm. Which is just the problem is we're just, the, I think, I felt like originally when the heal cards came out, Med Pack was there. For when you took the random dice spike and didn't die, you feel dressing to erase the random, right? That's how I felt. That's how I played it. And I thought it was a good place for the card. I don't think Medpack's broken or anything. Medpack is fine in the game. Jeremy is wrong. Parker's wrong. Medpack is fine. <laughs> anyway. I think just, I, 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 don't, I don't like Medpack with everything else in the game right now. I, I liked it fine when it was just Medpack. I can understand the compounding problems, but the problem is Medpack isn't played when your opponent randomly spikes high. It's played mm -hmm. on the super characters that almost never take damage, like Magneto. And mm -hmm. then when you finally get anything done, Wong and Medpack happen, he goes back to full. And you're like, okay, well, I guess this game's over. Mm -hmm. Like, you've devoted so many resources and just all gets erased. It's not used to, to undo, ba like, bad luck. It's used to punish bad luck. When your opponent has bad luck against you, it's so much more punishing than it is on the reverse of you erasing your opponent's good luck. And so in those situations, it just makes the RNG that much more punishing. I I think the healing, I don't know how, I don't have an answer for how you would fix it. Uh, I do think field dressing's too good. Field dressing should probably have to be played by the active character. An effect so powerful as to undaze people, I think needs to have some serious limitations to it. The four cost is a lot, but honestly, I, is it really that bad? Like, is there ever a time when you're like, man, I, I, this isn't worth four power. It's like, it is 100% worth four power. But if you had to play with the active character, it'd be situationally good instead of permanently good, right? Mm -hmm. 
because you would have to be able to res the person and still protect them. Almost like the other card on the restricted list, uh, Doomed Prophecy. Doomed Prophecy is situationally good, not obviously good. Like, there are situations where playing Doomed Prophecy is a bad idea. There's actually a fair amount. But yeah, it definitely is... Um, it's frustrating sometimes. Uh, I usually get frustrated playing against people like Venom and Wolverine. That's when I get annoyed because it's like, well, I'm going to attack Wolverine and it just always goes poorly. And you never do, you do like one damage instead of four and then he just heals it anyway and you're like, whatever. And then you attack Venom you're like, all right, well, I have some decent defenses so like I'll let him attack me. And it's like, oh, look, I spiked. Here's eight hits on a We Are Venom. It's like, <laughs> oh, cool. I guess there's just like, I don't know why I failed to kill you by one and all of a sudden you're back at full health. Like, this is so great. Like, those are the times when it's so punishing. But that's kind of, like, built into his mechanics. Like, that's how he's supposed to work. That is his survivability. If say, he didn't have that, he'd be he'd be so easy to kill. I, I'm totally so, fine. I'm totally fine like with RNG running, like, the potential of a, of a, of a heal effect. Like, Venom doesn't bother me that much. Uh, I don't, I don't like the, uh, hi, I'm Wong. I'm going to just stand here and be a healing fountain that everybody can just kind of stop by and just sip from. And it, just, it, it doesn't require anything. <laughs> it doesn't require any interaction whatsoever. I'm just going to spit heals uh. at everybody. And yeah, Jeremy had a similar thought. We talked about what if patch up said spend one power to roll one die, and it's it's X power for X dice, and there's no upper limit, mm-hmm. and you just rolled, and for every damaging result, you removed a damage from the target. Yeah. And so you could dump ten power into patch up if you wanted to, but it was still random. Yeah. I think um, I think randomizing heals like dan- like damage and defense is randomized is is a strong way to manage it. I think it is, uh, and of course I, just, I don't know that it is because you're just again doubling down on the RNG, which is going to make those swings that much more punishing. Like what happens when you your opponent plays patch up on like Hulk and accidentally heals for eight? Like what are you going to do? What do you mean? The same thing that happens whenever you you heal eight on Venom randomly. You you like ah man that sucks. <laughs> like, no, but Venom Venom doesn't have twenty hit points. Like Venom has seven. Like that you can only heal six. Like even though that's a big pool, I'm just saying that like it if that makes the games when the the dice are leaning one direction, adding more randomness is going to potentially lean it even further. There will be games when it balances it out, but that's that's going to happen just as often as it turns the other way too. I like anything that's going to add variety in people's tactics cards. I mean, I I just hate seeing the same cards all the time. Like, it, it's just, and, and you have to play them, I feel, just to stay competitive in it. Like, you, you you have two, three slots that are always with the same, and then you get to put in a couple that are have some variety. Yeah. And yeah. usually the couple that have variety, one of them is basically a half to and then the other one ends up being your random one mm-hmm. if you're that kind of player or not i mean some people just take the five you know it's always say, the same and Bra- and brandon said brandon said it uh field dressing is and then the like are so good that it becomes a blinking match there's like who field dressings in exactly the appropriate way they won like it's not a game about tactics or, or scenario or like lots of different things that could possibly and- happen it's just who field dressing at the right time like that's that's it, that's, that's it's so real. often though isn't a choice that you're making like the the opportunity is there or it isn't like it's right. it's obviously you have to recognize it and take advantage of it by utilizing the situation but how often like like you take exceptional healing you've taken odin's blessing like how often is it like well 
he did one he did two damage at a time and killed me like there was never really an opportunity to play it and then on the reverse side full health thor comes in triggers so many snacks and you explode and nine hit we are venom and you're like oh i'll take one you heal one kill you next attack and you're like well that was just unfortunate like like (laughs) sometimes you don't get to decide when these things work out it's it's back to the rng but, but, so like you can't say that like field dressing in this game like my field dressing was better than your field dressing you had no control over that really like you had to be able to take advantage of the situation but if you never get an optimum situation it, that's not your fault that's all i'm saying i understand your point though are you following me Parker? yeah i i was just trying to reconcile the first thing you said with the second thing you said which is uh, i i guess from your point of view i'm i'm, just, I'm I'm going to make an assumption about your point of view, and and I feel like you said that it bothers you when exceptional healing only you know like you never get to use it. Is that what you're saying? That it, because it's because exceptional healing is based upon your opponent's RNG, then it bothers you to have that card that you never got to use, and that's what's and so it's a bad no. I'm just saying like the game. I'm saying you mentioned about the blinking match between like when you play field dressing and cards that are powerful like that, right. like the, the game swinging cards. And I was just pointing out that it is frustrating when your opponent comes in and has like the perfect situation and there was nothing you could have done about it. Like uh-huh. it just like all the attacks lined up to where I couldn't kill Wong. I ended up giving him just enough power to field dressing <laughs> And Doctor Strange is dazed right in front of him. And it's just like, you're screwed. Like, there's no answer. Like, yeah. I couldn't stop him from field dressing. And I couldn't get them apart because I didn't have enough control or the control didn't work. And then he field dressings Doctor Strange, who then double activates your characters and heals himself. And you're like, great. Like, I'm so glad. Like, this worked out. I was like, you did such a good job because all of my stuff failed. Like, there's games like that. And just like Owen's Blessing. Like, you'll have the games where, like, you have Owen's Blessing and maybe they have exceptional healing and you have a, basically a mirror in that situation and they just keep peppering you with like two damage at a time. And then you get to, a, then your opponent gets to erase like an 11 damage hit because of like exceptional healing. It's like sometimes the plays are made for you and sometimes you make the plays. And so that's all I'm saying is it's frustrating when RNG is determining whose field dressing was at a better moment. And like, I don't, and I guess th- this is, this is my own consideration for the game as much as RNG in that moment can make me tilt and make me feel frustrated, mm. I'm okay. I'm okay with it existing as a game mechanic because it's a dice game. Like if I didn't yeah. want it to be a dice game, it would have to be something different where we're just adding and subtracting values all the time and there's no dice involved. Yeah. Or, or maybe there's better dice if we go to like, a, you know, D 12s or things like that. Uh, not sorry, nope. not D 12s, two, <laughs> not two D six, sorry, two D six, like two D six and that kind of thing. Bell curve systems. Yes. Right. Multiple dice systems. Right. Right. Yeah. Like multiple dice systems are like a way to, to better anticipate better and better uh, mitigate some of those issues. So, I mean, there are better versions of, of, of RNG for sure, but in a game like this, where we've all agreed, we're going to play with this version of RNG. I do not like how automatic some of those uh, medical, some of those cards are. I would rather them be more random. Um, and maybe not perfectly, maybe not all of them get exactly the same treatment, but I wish yeah. I wish there was some sort of way to increase the uh, the what's the worst word put the uh, reliable sorry decrease the reliability decrease the reliability of the cards yeah. making such a huge difference. I think I think that's a good point. I I'm not saying field dressing needs to not exist. I think the mechanic of field dressing does need to exist. In fact, it alleviates a lot of the RNG results that we see. 
I'm just saying field dressing in its current iteration is too powerful. It needs to be toned down in some way. And maybe even see more cards like this, like not necessarily undaze people, but like I think exceptional healing is a great example. If you want to take insurance against dice spikes, I want to see more cards that give us insurance against dice spikes. Like we've seen, what, 12 cards that add dice to an attack roll? There's so many different options that you're like, what? Do you want Battle Lust? Do you want One Two Punch? Do you want uh, Battle Rage? Do you want like like all these different cards that affect dice pools? Do you want Smash? It's like, how about instead we had like nine different versions of heal cards that were very specifically good in some situations and not in others, as where Med Pack and Field Dressing are generically always good, so they're automatically applied. Like Drop Off versus. Um, Special delivery. Perfect example. Drop-off is too strong and too reliable for too many people. And sometimes, like, meta-bending, if you get them with the right combination of characters. But then special delivery is a lot more reined in and consistent. And so that's what mm -hmm. I want to see. I would like to see field dressing and med-pack, maybe. Med-pack's probably okay. But definitely field dressing needs to be like, well, what if, the, like, every faction had their own, like, undays a person card? So, like, maybe, for example, Field Dressing was the Avengers version, like, just the most generic one. Mm -hmm. But then maybe Cabal says the person using Field Dressing takes two damage or something, like, like some kind of negative, but maybe only costs two instead of four. Like, we could start yeah. getting really interesting, and like, like, maybe Doctor Strange's Field Dressing is at a very long range, but he has to have two friends nearby to play it. And so there could be all kinds of stuff we could see, and this is obviously very hypothetical, way down the road type stuff, but, like... I think we're all in agreement field dressing's too good. I think you guys believe it even more than I do. And I think that I would like to see it adjusted. But mainly, look for field dressing. Consider playing Grievous Wounds to counteract field dressing because it is the best card in the game. And Understand me, not be ready it. to... <laughs> yeah. If you're really worried about like if you see MODOK and field dressing and you know that's a terrible combo you don't want to see happen... Take some stuff, take Shuri, take some control pieces, split those characters up, don't let it happen. Like, there are a lot of ways to stop it. You, it's up to you, only you can prevent field dressing. <laughs> so, one way, like... I got it. I know, I, I saw it coming, I, I really did. <laughs> He's so, like, oh no, it was it's fucking too coming. late! No. It was so coming. Jeremy, but, um, only you can stop field dressings. <laughs> it, it, it happens every game, and... When you start noticing it, you really start to pay attention to what who has what power. And if they only have three on them, God help you. Do not shoot at Leave them. Leave them alone. Leave yeah. them the fuck alone. And, and Move again, out of their attack yes. range. <laughs> and throw models, push them, all that stuff. So there is ways to avoid it. But oh, if you see a model, real quick, if you see a model that is likely to get field dressing this turn, do everything you can to put bleed on that model. Because it's effectively <laughs> stagger. Like, yeah. It's like field dressing, double attack, redazed. Like, well, at least you got that out of the way. That's right, because bleed does oh. not fall off. Bleed doesn't fall off when they're down. Does that work? Yeah, you don't remove negative effects until end of turn. Mm. Uh, but alternatively, if you see someone like Modok and they get field dressing, if they don't have med pack or another way to easily heal. You might want to not daze them, especially if you're getting priority back. And generally when they play field dressing, priority will pass. And then you just get priority and just know that you have to deal that damage next turn. Like, just set up for it. Because mm -hmm. if they field dressing, they get the activation now, but then you just daze them with priority next turn, and they lose all of next turn's actions. And so they're really just 
moving their actions from next turn to this turn. And so you can take advantage of that if you plan for it. So that's something good to look for as well. All right. I think we've beaten field dressing to death. If only. All right. So, let, yeah, I know. Let's talk about some other meta benders. Do you guys have anything you want to talk about? Parker brought up the healing. Jeremy, is there something you'd like to talk about? Um, uh, gosh. Those were all my pet peeves. Um, I, I, I would also claim that Black Panther changes the dynamic. I think that dude is fucked up. Like, yeah. Uh, all his attacks push like just they just push which and also Shuri pushes mm-hmm. so it's compounded so I mean maybe it's a Wakanda issue kind of sort of kind of I mean that's an old timey comment really, really just a controller issue like yeah. understand controllers um, against the longer range people like Shuri you can do stuff like block yourself in with terrain and so if and this is something we don't do personally um I don't know if other people do this. We don't choose table sides. We have never, in the history of me playing the game, in the city, have I ever seen a person choose a table side. It's whatever side of the table you're standing on. Like, that's the side of the table that you're playing on. If you have a problem with the terrain, move something is how we play. And I expect that a lot of people don't play that way. <laughs> I expect that there's a lot more of a choose table side as part of actual gameplay. We just don't do that. And it, we've we've never really done that. Very rarely, even in War Machine, we're just like, I'm not moving. Just this is what we're playing. It's better to get the reps in a bad situation than never be in a bad spot and then get stuck in one later. But technically, the player that does not get priority chooses table side. Just so you guys know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if you see Shuri or Black Panther, uh, choosing table side is a lot more important because once you set up the scenario or at least know where the scenario is going to be, you um you can look for terrain close to the objectives that you can use to pin yourself in so the pushes won't take you off the objective. That's very important, especially against web warriors and Wakanda. There's other people as well, but those specific ones are really important. Uh, So that's one way. Obviously playing A-Force is a second way. (laughs) Just play uh, whatever the stalwart defense or whatever the name of the card is. Let's see. What else do you think you should do, Jeremy? Just like get some reps against it so you understand it. Don't um, activate your guys by Black Panther until Black Panther has activated. Correct. Make him go first, and so you move back onto the objective. Mm-hmm. That's the best way to defeat pushers. Oh Make my god, go first. I, I know how to do it. Crossbones. He has all the answers. He just walks right back. That's true. God damn. Talking about Shuri and Black Panther right now, including models in your list that are good against certain things, Sabretooth and Crossbones, both very good against Shuri. Well, actually, cro- Sabretooth is. Crossbones is still hot garbage. <laughs> but the important thing here is that you have aggressive. She-Hulk, also a good choice. Not only mm-hmm. do you have access to the card that makes you unmovable, but she also has effective aggressive. And so Shuri starts shooting someone like She-Hulk and Sabretooth. She's not really doing anything mm-hmm. because you're going to get pushed back and immediately walk back. And, in fact, she's probably giving you power that she doesn't want you to have. She-Hulk is even better than Sabretooth, actually, because she can bodyguard the other people around her that don't have aggressive, get pushed, and come back. So pretty Mm. handy. Uh, Knowing uh, geometry problems are kind of a War Machine special from the old days. Uh, When someone's trying to push you, just double stack your models right front to back. So they have to push the guy behind you first. Then they can push you. And so if you're worried about holding an objective, put someone else behind you. Magneto's another good one because he can place his his uh, terrain tokens behind characters 
to give them a backstop so they can't get pushed. Uh, because Black Panther is much shorter range, he can generally move behind you and push you at a different angle. And so that's a lot harder. But that's some stuff you can do against pushing. Uh, Parker, did you have something else you want to talk about? Or are you are you tapped out? I got one more in me. Uh, I got something I want to talk about. But One more meta thing? Like, the, like something you have to be ready for? Yeah. yeah, is there anything else that you've noticed or like you find yourself building lists around to stop or building re- lists around to take advantage of? No, it's fine. You don't have to no. have one. I was just no, curious. I, not right now. Okay. The, I, I, we covered the big ones. I think I have... I... Uh, so I have one more before yours, okay? Um, sure. Always have a list. Start your list at... You can start it at 14 if you want. But remember, 15 is critical. That's gamma. Everybody <laughs> fucking chooses it. Everybody loves to play it. And if you've got a big, juicy model... This is my meta bender, actually. Good. Yeah. Well, there you go. And then also have yep. a nice, tasty one for 18, 19, and 20. Um Look at yeah. those. So go ahead and you can speak on it. Go ahead. Yeah. That's more of just a, a roster building in general. Obviously, you should be prepared to play anything from 14 to 20. Uh, you should have a plan. Obviously, that plan should be adjustable. But when you should not look at the the point total, have your opponent tell you what points you're playing, and then look at your list and go, okay, do I have a 14-point list in here? That should not happen. You should have already checked this when you built the roster. Uh, the way I like to do this is basically find your core. Like, there's usually a core concept behind the list. If you're playing, like, Cabal, you're like, well, my core is Modoc and Red Skull, like, maybe, for example. And then you go, okay, let me put models in this roster that are going to complement them at all the different point totals. And so basically, you just end up building seven different rosters with the same base list, and then you just take those ten, and that's your roster. But anyway, talking about Gamma Wave. Uh, there's two parts I want to talk about this in. First off is Gamma Wave itself. Second off is why Gamma Wave got chosen. Uh, so Gamma Wave itself is an echo deployment. You score one victory point if you if you control the closest objective to your board edge, two for the one second closest, and three for the one third closest. This is the only secure that you can possibly score six points on per round. So it seems like a dead scenario. It is not. It is a very live scenario if you play it aggressively. Two, you take a damage if you're not within range two of one of the secure objectives. This is very annoying if you're playing as a control faction because they will push you into the death clouds and you will take damage and it will suck. Uh, it's also very funny because they can push you in and like, oh, you have one hit point, Wolverine? Just go over there. And then you just choke to death and die. And you're like, oh, no. So anyway, uh, those are two important things to know about Gamma Wave. Um... Generally speaking, the reason someone will choose Gamma Wave is because A, they have an extremely aggressive control list that's going to take advantage of both parts of this mission. One, that they can score six points, and two, that they can uh, force you into the clouds to do free damage. So those are usually the two main reasons they're trying to do that. Uh, Aggressive control list, and the second one is extremely elite fighting force. That is, generally takes up a very small footprint. This usually will happen when someone's pairing up someone like Magneto and Doctor Strange. So you've got 13 points of your roster and models that need to stand within three of each other to actually function. And so you don't have any points left to control the board. So you're trying to play this mission to prevent them from being forced to spread out. And so that's the second reason why I'll take this. So first off is extremely aggressive control list or very elite non-spreadoutable force, right? Those are the two reasons someone will take this. 
So if you don't want to play Gamma because you're not good in those two situations, you should probably choose to choose blue missions when you get priority. Because people that want to play Gamma and they get priority usually don't want to play 15 points because they actually want to play a higher point total when they're playing the Elite Force. And when they're playing Control Factions, 15 is probably fine. So how do you defeat Gamma, Jeremy? Uh, Shuri. Shuri's really good Shuri. at Gamma. Yeah. She's really mm-hmm. good at Gamma. She'll push the shit out of there. Like, she'll push you right into the clouds. You'll take damage. You'll take damage yeah. from her gun. Um, she's really good at control. And, and any of those... Uh, Modok is really good at it, too. Take Modok. Mm-hmm. He can get in there. Um, any of those control pieces are really good. Yeah. The, the trick like is... Like we said is, earlier, aggressive control is great in this scenario. Yeah. Good, good call. You got to have... point, and, and you also have to have thought about your point totals, because if they... They grab you out of 15. You need control, and you also need to be able to do it at 15 points. So if your control model mm-hmm. is MODOK, you may not be able to get that to work right, like, depending on who you're taking. Should I, I, should I say my 15-point list on air? <laughs> I really like my 15. I know you do. I know you do. Yeah. Uh, Red Skull, Magneto, MODOK. Come at me, Gamma Wave. <laughs> So that's another thing. If you look across the, po- the table and you see something like that, like some just monster of an elite fighting force, you probably want to avoid Gamma Waves if you're getting to choose the mission. Even if your plan was Gamma Waves the whole time. Maybe think about it again. Maybe <laughs> think about it twice. Yeah. Yeah. Not always was your initial plan the best if your opponent is Gamma gammaing harder than you are. Like, you need to be prepared for that. So just be conscious of it. Um... Getting priority is very important in this game on the first turn. Some people are like, oh, it doesn't really matter. I'm open to playing whatever points. Well, your opponent might not be, and their point total might be extremely important. Obviously, you can't affect the priority dice roll, but you can give them worse options. Like, if you see a list and you're like, well, I know Web Warriors is really potent at 17 points. Well, they might not have 17 points available in their two cards. It's probable, but not necessarily guaranteed, depending on which missions they wanted to play. And so maybe intentionally choosing a non-17 point mission will help you. Uh, but specifically about Gamma Wave, definitely need to have a 15 point plan going in. Because there are, what is it, let's say one sixth. Hold on, I'm doing math. So there's a 33.4% chance when you go up against somebody and they want to play Gamma Wave, you're playing Gamma Wave at 15 points. That's, that's the odds. If your opponent 100% wants to play Gamma Wave at 15 points, 33.4% of the time, they get to play Gamma Wave at 15 points. Because that's the odds of them getting priority and you not discarding, or them not getting to choose Gamma Wave out of the 1 in 3 chance. And so, you that's the odds of it happening. You need to be prepared for it. Uh, I would say get a couple of practice games in. Like, ask people if they want to play Gamma against you and so you can get reps. It's okay if your opponent doesn't mind. Um... Maybe play lists that want to play Gamma Wave and try it out. It's just very different. And I know the first time a lot of people play it, they think it's a dead scenario that's just a mosh pit. And it kind of feels that way until you realize how open it is to just go get that far point for three victory points. That's so potent in this scenario. Also, there's a lot of extractions that force you to go to the sides of the table that are already dealing damage to you. So if you pair Gamma Wave with with cosmic cubes you're taking two damage on turn one period 
because you're going to get the cube, and if you can't make it back to the objective because you're not movement long, you're taking damage for the cube, and you're taking a damage for gamma. Which means you're very one-shottable at this point. There's a lot of four and five health characters that like to go get objectives on turn one. You need to be very careful about this. This might play into your opponent's plan. Or maybe, if your opponent's not willing to go get the objective, maybe you just go sit in the cloud. Like, depending on what extraction you choose. Obviously not with cubes. But if you if you choose um, a non-damaging snare like the Worthy, and your opponent doesn't line up to go get the side tokens, well, that means you're going to get three of the objectives. And so then if you can just manage to score the middle or the back objective a couple times, that's all you really need. Like, you'll get to 16 pretty quickly. So, so yeah, I, I play around with it a lot. I don't know that there's really an answer for it because a third of the time, if that's what your opponent wants, that's what he gets. And so, and actually, it's more than that. It's a 60, it's two-thirds, so 66.6% of the time, you'll have to play Gamma Wave if your opponent wants to play Gamma Wave. But a, half of the time, they get to choose the point total. So, just be careful of that. Parker, I don't know if you have an answer against how to play against Gamma or Jeremy, but just kind of it's what it is. You need to be ready for it, though. It's very different than other scenarios. I was going to say, just, I think, I think most factions and most lists can construct a 15-point, like, Gamma Wave idea. Like, I think it's pretty common. Most mm -hmm. of the time when I have sat down in theory crafting with a list, very rarely, gosh, now I'm going to struggle to even think of a time where I wasn't like, this list can't pick Gamma Wave as an option for its cards because there's no way it can play Gamma. Like, usually it happens. Um, but I also like playing cohesive, like, tight cohesive lists, so maybe that's just more of what I lean to. But most of the time I, I'm I'm not mad about playing 15 points on Gamma Wave. Um, but like yeah. you said, there are ways to abuse it a lot harder than I probably am. I'm thinking of a way to like flex into it, and somebody else, if somebody else is gunning for it and saying, this is the yeah. best thing you can do on Gamma Wave at 15 points, and that's how I'm going to win, then you know I'm going to... Being just flexible may not be good enough. Yes, that's exactly it. It's not that you can't build a 15-point roster that functions, right? That's not what we're saying. Obviously... There's, I don't think there's a mathematical situation in which you're totally screwed at 15 points. You'd well, have to have like a list of nothing but four point characters to get well, totally well, screwed. I, I mean, not like I mean, but, no, I didn't mean like you can play 15 points. I mean, 15 points on Gamma Wave. Like I can. That's what I. That's what I'm getting to. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But it, it's not that you can't build a 15 point list that functions decently. It's that you have to remember your opponent came in head hunting this exact situation. He has put a lot of time and effort into finding a list that is very strong in this situation and is going to exploit it as well as possible. So you're mm -hmm. not going against some some random 15-point list. You're going against a 15-point list that was designed to win on this scenario. And so that's why it's hard. It's, it's not a normal situation. And because this mission is A, an odd point total that's, that's very uncommon, but also B, very abstract compared to other ones, it's just a really hard thing to overcome if you weren't prepared at all. Jeremy, I thought you disconnected. You haven't moved in a really long time. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm just listening. <clears throat> We've talked about this several times. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's. It really is just frustrating, different. though, when if you're playing if you're playing some, like, weird spread out list, like Web Warriors, for example. We've talked about this in, uh, I want to say it was episode 15 and 16. We were building our, our second roster, and it was you do not want to get trapped in a glass case of emotion with the Hulk. Like, I'm Spider-Man. Like, I don't want to fight you. I want to push you. And even though you might be good at pushing people away, 
or controlling people a decent amount, you're still stuck in this glass box because you don't have enough health to go run away and there's no points in out there anyway. All the points are in here. So it makes you fight very close range. So it makes all your long range attackers, like Hawkeye is decent because he can hold your back point. But if you've got four ranged people, where do you go? Like you're standing in melee with people, which is not what you wanted to do in the first place. So that that's what you have to be careful about. A lot of times to deal with that, and it's always good to have people who charge or have a charge mechanic mm-hmm. because they'll get you back yeah. in the battle and you won't lose anything. Um, you won't you won't lose your you know your half your activation. You can you can just come right back. Yeah. So yeah, those are good. Yeah, so highly mobile characters or out of activation movement like Cyclops's field leader or the cosmic portal on both Thanos and Red Skull are decent. People with aggressive like Crossbones, Sabretooth, and She-Hulk are all decent at that. And honestly, Crossbones probably wouldn't be terrible in this situation because he the the big negative on him is he's so slow and he only has to move in a straight line on this mission, so that wouldn't be so bad. <laughs> he can dirtle right through the middle. And he's a three three point beater with aggressive is pretty good on Gamma. Here he comes. Everybody and so, watch out. Yeah, you you it's easy to complain about stuff until you look across the battle and it's like Zemo, Drax, Crossbones, and Red Skull. And you're like, what? Like, how is this a list? Oh, he's, he gets another guy even. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that would be really weird. Yeah. All right. I think we're done with meta benders for today. Um, I think we had a pretty good conversation about that. I wasn't sure where that was going to go. I think it worked out. Uh, Parker, why don't you take us into a comic corner? We're going to story uh, time. All right, Comic Corner today. This one is a doozy. Uh, I, this is this is one I recommend if you've got a Marvel subscription, maybe to their their <laughs> electronic service, or you're interested in paying Marvel, uh, for Ultimate uh, or whatever it's called. Yeah, or if you're interested in paying a hefty penny. I did not get this one until Christmas time came around because it's 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 a big <laughs> boy. It's one of the biggest books I have. It's uh, the title is Marvel Infinity. It's one of the largest cross-title events Marvel ever attempted, and they really pulled out the stops for it. Um, uh, there's like 18 people at the helm of this, but uh, chief among them is uh, Hickman. I love him and everything he touches with uh, with a pen. He's a fantastic writer. Um, I love what he does with sci-fi, and this is really displaying some of his um, best science fiction and, and what he does. Uh, this is actually it takes place before the newest reset with... Uh, um, uh, with Doctor Doom, Reese, you know, helps the, uh, the universe gets reset. So this is kind of the beginning of the end for a lot of the main characters in the Marvel universe. At the end of the last continuity, uh, the big the reason why I brought it today is because there's two main plots going on. One of them is with the Avengers uh, trying to fight off against a, a brand new race of bad guys that's that are running away from the end of the universe, and they're running into our universe to to uh, to escape and also to to try to stop the end of the universe by blowing up the earth. So that's like one half of the story. But concurrently with that is a a story featuring Thanos versus the Inhumans. And so since we both have Thanos and the Inhumans, uh, or about to have the Inhumans in the game, this is is actually the comic that got me to spend the most amount of time with the Inhumans because there's a fascinating story in which, um, uh, as it turns out, Thanos has had children all across the galaxy. He's he spread his seed like buckshot across <laughs> space. <laughs> and 
he has had apparently prolific sex so many places, like a space Viking, just everywhere he goes, um, that uh, basically he decides that his progeny is an affront to his philosophy. So he goes around to every planet he's ever sired a child and demands all of their children, like, to die, basically. Uh, and so instead of, like, finding his genetic blood relatives, he just tries to murder every place he's gone to. Everything everything below, everything below you know, shoulder height has to die. Um, it's also one of the very first times we get to see the whole Black Order. So the Black Order is introduced in the Marvel Universe. Uh, I believe this is the first time they're, they're introduced fully is in this series. Um, and this is the one where... Uh, Corvus Glaive has so much dialogue uh, that Ebon Maw has in the, in the movies. It, it switches over. Uh, basically, Corvus Glaive is is the is the mouth um, of of Thanos. Uh, it's also where uh, Black Dwarf gets punked like three times and then dies like a bitch. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. uh, spoiler alert: He dies like a bitch unceremoniously. <laughs> it's wonderful because they, all he gets is punked the entire comic. Um, but all the other characters are terrifying and mean and nasty. And uh, basically, while Thanos is pursuing his progeny, he basically discovers that the the one that got away, the one he was most concerned about, is actually on Earth, uh, and it is uh, an inhuman. And Black Bolt knows who it is. And so he, Black Bolt and Thanos have this huge confrontation that sets up basically the, a change for the entire way that Inhumans are done in the Marvel Universe. Because um, Black Bolt sets some things in motion that completely like redo how Inhumans are treated. And it sets up everything we now know about Inhumans, like the fact that we have some Inhumans as members of S.H.I.E.L.D. And they they were just regular people, and all of a sudden now they're Inhumans. It, it, it details all that why there are regular people walking around that have, you know, the ability to turn into the Inhumans if they're exposed to the mist. Um, and uh, and then, of course, Thanos and Black Bolt fight. Like, Thanos and Black Bolt have a fist fight. It's just awesome. So uh, if, you, if you're excited about the new Inhumans and you want to see how they're kind of treated in the Marvel Universe, even though there's been a reset of continuity, the the way the uh, basically Infinity, the cross... Uh, title uh, event sets up Inhumans in the modern Marvel universe. Even though there's a reset and some things were retconned, a lot of the things about them are still exactly as it was left in Infinity. Also, the Avengers story, the other half of the Infinity, which is the Avengers versus the Builders, these brand new aliens, are it's a super great like uh, a pan-galactic fight with the Avengers all going, going all over the universe fighting the Builders. Uh, also really exciting side story. It's the reason why the book is so big is because there's two f- fully fleshed out stories. And of course, as you might imagine, they both converge at the end where, you know, Thanos is on Earth battling Black Bolt and the humans wrecking everything, causing chaos. And so the Avengers have to rush back from their fight with the builders to, to save the Earth uh, and come to the defense. So... Great book if you have yep. the money or if you have the subscription, uh, worth worth your uh, worth your time. And I say that literally because it will take you a little while to get through all of it. But it's, yeah, it it's looks like stuff. a textbook you were holding up. Oh yeah, it is. It is like a math book. It is enormous, mm-hmm. but very worth it. The art's fantastic. It's it's shared by like five or six different artists. Um, but Jonathan Hickman's at the helm, kind of of the main story, 
And then, of course, he has subwriters doing, you know, some of the uh, side stories. There's just so many, so much, like, story to tell with this. It's, it's really good. Alrighty. Cool. All right, let's move on to closing, and then we'll ramble a bit after. All right, well, this has been Brandon. And Parker. And Jeremy. And thank you for listening to Infinite Podcast on Infinite Earths. Mo money. Cool. Mo money. Mo money. Nope. I hate all of you. Begin to hate. <laughs> what did you do? Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. <laughs> <laughs> suffering. <laughs> Alrighty, well we've been rambling for a while now. Let's go ahead and jump into it. We can just do end rambles. Post ramble. Post ramble alert. Mm. The P ramble. Mm-hmm. Pramble. The pr- I mean, me and Jeremy pre-amble. have been pre rambling for an hour and a half. So, uh. alrighty, uh, Parker, did you? Can you put your comic corner on the list? And uh, comic corner is always going to go last, obviously. But if uh, if I don't mention it and try to go out, just know that I intentionally cut it for time. Got it. Because if I like start like the outro and you're like, wait, I haven't done my comic corner, then I'm just gonna have to tell you to shut up, and it's gonna be really awkward. Got it. Oh, uh, did you listen to the intro for that one episode I sent you? Uh, I tried. It didn't. The link that you sent me, I couldn't get it to work. I need to get. Oh. I need to like. You just... do have to click at least an entire button, so that was probably the issue. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Boom roasted. Cold as ice. I cold as ice, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Let me move all this junk. All right. But anyway, it was the uh, the segment of conversation where me and Jeremy were talking about what was on our list. And at the end of it, I go, yeah, I'll add that to the list. And I was talking about Brace, and you go, oh, it's already on the list. I look, and it's not there, and I say, it's not here. And he's like, yeah, MedPack's on the list. It's like, we weren't talking about MedPack. We were talking about Brace. And you're like, no, yes, you were. You were talking about MedPack. And I was like, you literally weren't listening to us then, because that's not what we said. And then he's like, yes, I, I listened to the entire conversation. He's like, well, you, clearly you didn't hear what we said. And then it's just you digging yourself a very deep hole. And I was like, fine. And you're like, nope, I want to go to the video. I'm like, all right, well, I'll put it. So I literally put it right after the music. It plays that conversation and then goes into the episode. And then uh, in the actual episode, I edit it to where you would have no idea that happened. Like, I, I perfectly uh, spliced that entire conversation out. And so, literally, I go, I'll put it on the list, and Jeremy immediately starts talking again. And so, it's like, that's the level of ev- editing I usually put into our garbage pile to make it sound decent. Hmm. And so, I want people to know what goes on behind the scenes, and that you challenged me so so far. Nice. <laughs> nice. I, I stand by my original challenge. <laughs> yeah. You still don't believe it. I, I don't believe it. It didn't happen that way. <laughs> Uh. God. <laughs> Let's go to the tape. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
Yeah. See, here, here's where we, we show you inserting an entire boot into your mouth and then swallowing it. He's like, I don't remember that happening. He's like, it's on video. All right. So you guys are recording, correct? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Let me say. Let me yeah. see. Yes. Recording. Okay. Uh, I got the backup going as well. So we have four recordings happening. Let's get into it. God, that's good. That was awful. That was really bad. Was You're that a Parker awful. one? Everything about you is awful. Did, did Parker make that one up? Jeremy, only you can prevent puns. Oh my god. Oh my god. Uh, so couple things. First off, I have been rewatching the Mar- MCU movies in chronological order. I'm at Ant-Man right now, but I'm I'm also been thinking about rewatching them, and I wanted to bring this up because you mentioned it. Corvus Glaive doesn't do a lot of talking in the movie, but he also only really has one interaction, and it's in like it's not with a group of people; it's with like just two people because mm-hmm. they're in like the train station in Infinity War, right? And they don't re- he never really talks to anyone ever again because he's hurt, and so. I think Ebony Maw, you could make the argument Ebony Maw became the mouth just because he was the guy talking to a group of people. And so I don't know if that was an active decision they made or if it was out of necessity because they needed someone to do the exposition and it, it couldn't have been Corvus because he wasn't there. Hmm. Uh, and then secondly, uh, rewatching Iron Man 3 and Avengers 2 is a lot better after knowing where the story ends like uh-huh. iron man 3 is obviously it has some bad directorial points like they they messed up a lot of dumb stuff then there's the whole mandarin debacle but honestly i i the movie was actually fine other than like the really bad placed comedy in the movie which clearly they reconciled later when they moved to different directors he wants his birds <laughs> his birds <laughs> what his the bird. fuck that's the second one. What's my birds? That's Iron Man 2. Iron Man 3 is with Extremis and the Mandarin. Oh, God. That was whip. That was Whiplash in Iron Man 2. I think that's his yep. name, Whiplash. That's true. Yeah, Whiplash. His uh, name is Birds. Birds. I want uh, the first one's just so goddamn good, though. Like, I never, I never pick up it the is. second, really third. Good. Well, honestly, the second one's really good. Is it Mickey Rourke? I think is his yeah, name? Yeah, it's him. Yep. Yeah. Mickey does fine. He's, a, he's obviously a good actor, but... Oh, it was just a weird character. Like it was so out of mm. left field that it was really hard to absorb. But a lot of stuff in Iron Man Two ha- that happens, you you kind of lump in with Iron Man One and the Avengers because they're so close. Uh-huh. But like a lot of stuff in Iron Man Two is actually really important. Also, uh, the ju- I I will I the Justin Hammer monologue when he's selling things, selling his guns mm. to War Machine. It's great. That whole yeah. monologue is just fantastic. But that's all just oh gosh, what is his what is his name? The guy who plays Justin Hammer. Sam Rockwell. What? Sam Rockwell. Yeah, that's just Sam Sam Rockwell. Yeah, that's just Sam Rockwell putting like a whole scene on his back and carrying that shit to market. Do you, so this is a great piece of trivia. Do you know the first place you ever saw Sam Rockwell? Because I bet I know where you first saw him. Oh, was it a western? I want to say it's no. a western. Okay. Well, I mean, it might have been, but I know where I first saw him. I would expect, knowing you, this is the same place. Okay, go for it. 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2's Secret of the Ooze. He's one of the guys in the gang that's showing the defectors around their, like, hidden base. Oh, my God. They're, like, walking down a flight of stairs, and he's like, wow. yeah, so like, these are our pinball machines, and you, like, you come over here and do this stuff. And, like, they, that's the only scene he's in in the entire movie. Nice. I didn't, because I, I can't remember. I saw, I think it was the movie Choke, one of the, like, bad movies he did. But I was sitting there, I was like, I know this guy. Yeah. Where is this guy from? And I went to his IMDb page. And I'm like, yes, it's the TMNT oh too. And I was like, son of a bitch. I can't believe I remembered that. I watched that movie probably a hundred times when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Secret oh, my of, God. Secret like, of Use So many times. Yeah. It's like, dude, they got Bebop and Rocksteady. And at the end of the, the movie, they, they do a rock song. Like, of course I love this. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. So anyway, is that the one with Vanilla Ice? That's where I first saw Rockwell. Is the first one Vanilla Ice? That's the one with Vanilla Ice. The first one's very serious and 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 like yeah, dark. Like definitely not a kids movie. Yeah. And the third one is the crown jewel of the trilogy. Obviously, (laughs) just so. Where they go back in time to Samurai Feudal? (laughs) They go back to Feudal Japan. Is that where RoboCop got wings and flew? And it was PG thirteen. Yeah, that's RoboCop three, and that's the most legit RoboCop. That's the most legit RoboCop. Mm-hmm. It's the most robo of the cops. My friends yeah. call me Murphy. You can call me Jeez. RoboCop. My original my original Facebook profile picture was his picture, RoboCop's picture, that one where he's like profiled <laughs> for the police picture. Oh my god. And uh, and my original status was my friends called me Murphy. And <laughs> the reason why I did it is because none of my friends knew what it meant and I was like <laughs> I was like, god. "What? How could you not know?" Dude, you really bro. have to respect the the creativity of the people who made RoboCop 1, though. Because I don't know if you know this, there was actually no plot or script for RoboCop 1. It was just a documentary about Detroit. And then they turned it into RoboCop after the footage was filmed. They that, just walked around the streets. That's so that's, that's, <laughs> that's, so that's They're like, they like, what's happening today? And then this like big tanker truck spills all this toxic wasteless guys and turns them to a drool mutant. It's like, yeah, that just happened one day in Detroit. <laughs> Oh my god. Robots fighting drug dealers. Seems yeah, about right. Seems yeah, about 15 right. seconds to comply. <laughs> I, I, I Did I've... you ever see the Cleveland, uh, Ohio commercial that those guys made? Mm-mm. It's one of the original viral videos, but no. slightly before YouTube, I want to say. But anyway, it's basically just these three friends that drive around in their car with a video camera in the 90s, and they're like, yeah, see this? This is a 200-year-old church. It's been in all these different movies. And then, like, the car's going 10 miles an hour, and it slowly goes out of frame. And then the next lot is just a vacant lot filled with garbage. And <laughs> I mean filled with garbage. It's literally, like, thir- 13 feet high garbage. Like, trash bags and newspapers. Like, this is an empty lot where we put our trash, because we don't have trash service in our neighborhood. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, and then they just keep going. And it's just all this horrible stuff about Cleveland. Oh and at the God. end, they do this little jingle. It's like... Cleveland! At least we're not Detroit! And then the video just ends. <laughs> it's like, yep. That's Detroit. They've got the tire oh, fire Detroit. that's never When those out. guys are making fun of you, when those guys are making fun of you, you know you fucked up. Wow. And it's not even like, like Cleveland makes fun of Detroit. They proudly make fun of Detroit, knowing how bad they are. We just lost one listener that lived in Detroit. <laughs> oh my god, I hope I not. Actually, I actually think it's kind of funny. What happened... What happened to those places? I, I I know what happened to Detroit. Uh, what happened to Cleveland? Mm-hmm. Like what was it? Was it just like the fall of the of the industrial complex in there? Is that what? I happened? mean, we should really we should really avoid this topic because okay. it's going to go somewhere I know we don't want to talk about. Okay. 
And so let's just leave that that door shut. Okay, doors doors closed. <laughs> uh, RoboCop's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> Dude, the first RoboCop yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dead or alive, you're coming with me, man. I, the commercials, yeah. the commercials they made for that movie were so brilliant. Yeah. Oh my god. It's like Starship Troopers. <laughs> yeah. So Do you want good. to know more? Sunblock Five Thousand. My favorite desire to know more intensifies. My favorite scene of Starship Troopers, the one I'll never forget, is during the movie. Uh, is it uh, what? What's her name? I can't remember her name. The main girl character. Uh, Diz. Well, Diz is the military chick. Diz I is the military. Remember. The one, the, the Navy girl, got, the one he likes at the beginning. Uh, uh, I can't remember. Especially the A, I want to say Carmen. Carmen, right? Carmen. Carmen. Yeah. Carmen. So the Carmen character at one point near the end of the movie she gets stabbed through the clavicle with a yeah, giant spike you... and it goes down like past her tit like a huge mm. amount into her body and then it comes out the front it literally pierces her oh, torso it's terrifying it lifts her yeah. up off the ground and then yeah. it, she oh, has a conversation with it yeah no, at, with no, it at, the, at the end of the movie she mm-hmm. takes her arm around the other two characters and she does this, like, we're going to be okay. And she, like, puts does, her like, the hands up group and they're, like, yeah. walking together. And I'm like, yeah. that, how are you doing that? The monstrous amount of blood down one side of her body. I was like, how Lots are you lifting your arm above your Lots waist right now? <laughs> it seems, imp- I remember as a child going, wait a minute, like, I know I just watched this whole movie and never, like, suspended belief the entire time. I never blinked. But as soon as I saw that, I was like, hey, how is she doing that? There's no mm-hmm. way she should be able to lift her arm up above her waist. Uh, that makes no sense. Mm-hmm. And that's when, and that's so when I, mean, I lost be all. Be conscious, either. Like, she would have died oh, a God. long time ago. Yeah. Parker, if I shove a lava lamp through your chest, I'm pretty sure the amount of time it's going to be before you can stand from blood loss is like less than a minute. Oh, yeah, that movie. I love I loved everything about that movie. I don't care, though. Yeah. No, it's great because it's making fun of itself through the whole movie. Like, yeah. They're making fun of how terrible these propaganda movies are and yeah. stuff. And it's like like so often they're just like. Uh, you need to go die for for your country. Why? Because and like just moves on. It's like it's yeah. like all this terrible stuff. All, yeah, and everything's the, obviously so skewed to one side. The uh, I've seen some people do uh, in studies of like hard sci-fi. The, the movie is not very hard sci-fi at all. But in study of like uh, science fiction treatises of modern society, the whole like idea about you not being able to be a full citizen, like you don't have rights unless you're willing to uh, join the military complex and like be part of that is mm. like you have to exchange your time and your life uh, a portion of your life for rights is something we see and you know there are lots of modern societies that do things like that like you can't attain citizenship yeah. or or services mandatory and so it was a uh, but it's not mandatory in Starship Troopers it's not it's actually something you can do voluntarily but you should not expect to be able to have children for example like the mm. the people talk about the shower scene because you see a lot of boobies but in the shower scene they actually talk about like why are you in the military and there all these characters talk about these very common rights that we think are unalienable but you don't have them in a future where you have this police state controlling everything super cool stuff actually going on in that movie if you pay close attention again we're getting really close to a topic i'd like to avoid permanently so let's let's... deal but it's like we we went from one movie that we started talking about the location of the movie and now we're talking about movies that talk about that topic. Well, the problem is so. we're talking about sci-fi movies and sci-fi movies very yeah, very they, rarely. Yeah, they obviously have a very sustainable like yeah. 
they're they're one direction very hard or the opposite very hard. Yeah, so. they, pur- they they purposely usually try to subvert and therefore illuminate problems uh, mm-hmm. in society. They they it, the you know Black Mirror is a really crazy example of the a kind of show that purposely is just like whoa social media mm-hmm. like trying to make it all boogeymen, but even something like RoboCop and Starship Troopers, they're doing their part. Are you doing your part? Mm-hmm. So. Off that topic, finally. Uh, mm-hmm. How long? When do you think we're going to see stuff? We, I've been, I've been getting people speculation about releases. Uh, so we're uh, basically in the end, towards the end of January now, and so we're, we we know that the Inhumans are the second week of February, but what comes out in second week of March? Because it's pretty much always second week, second Friday of the month is release day. So isn't it X Force? What do we think we're going to see? I don't know because we've got. Other stuff still. We've got Iron Fist and Luke Cage. We've got Carnage. We've got War Machine. No. We've got Falcon. No. I think it's going to no. be uh, Deadpool and his buddies. They showed all those pictures. Yeah, Deadpool, Cable. So? D- yeah. Deadpool, Cable, uh, Domino, and uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Sinister. Yep. All those models were shown to us in but, full. I mean, we've known about Carnage for so much longer, though. It feels like they've kind of dropped the ball on releasing that stuff. Oh, yeah. Mysterio, Carnage. If we're not going to see it. Yeah, Mysterio, Carnage. Yeah, there's, there's Mysterio, Carnage. War Machine and and Cap Cap Two, and then um, the two other defenders, the Heroes for Hire, because they're jobless right now. No, they but can't I mean, even get a job on the defenders. <laughs> I think they showed us the pictures and stuff of like full on. This is Deadpool. This is Cable. All them. They, they showed us those. They only showed us little glimpses of the other ones. I. And they, that's what they tend to do. Yeah, I, I mean, I could see either one, and God, I hope the twins come out in March. Like that'd be great. Cause I, I really want to play yeah. brotherhood. Yeah. Brotherhood but needs some I, help. For I just sure. don't, I, I think we need to clean up the stuff that's not out yet. Like there's, why are we trying to flesh out, you know, brotherhood and X-Men if we haven't even finished defenders yet? Like they're, it's one of the older factions like spider foes, uh, like spider foes has been in the game literally like since holy crap, like what wave two. It's like we, they have like four characters. Yeah, well, it's, that's a, it's, it's a weird one too. They're they're not mutants. Period. Full stop. Like people care. Like people want to buy mutants. People like them. So I actually think you'll see Brotherhood before you'll see any uh, Spider Foes. I don't think anybody like one hundred percent sure they put them in the game. We've seen the models. It, yeah, I, I, I We've think we've seen we'll, the models. We'll get them. I I think I think we'll see Brotherhood models before we see them. I, this is just my very cynical. Everyone loves mutants. No one gives a shit about like Spider-Man's villains. <laughs> like they just. All right. So Carnage is going to be CP product code. Like I want to say it's like thirty-two. I think is what we've we've been speculating based on other releases. And Wanda and and uh, Pietro are CP like sixty-three. So if sixty-three like comes out before thirty-two, I'm going to be actually upset. Like. Like, even though I want those models really bad, that makes no sense. Like, and maybe COVID slowed everything down, but I can't believe they would have posted that picture, like, on New Year's. Like, that the picture's uh-huh. two months old. Like, when did the X-Force video come out? Probably before that, but... Yeah, it was, before it was that, November. But... I bet we see X-Force, then uh, probably Carnage. Did we ever see a Shadowcat? Shadow, no, Black Cat. Did we so. ever see a Black Cat model? Um, I don't think we did see Black Cat. I actually think we 
did. I think, wasn't she in the poster? Maybe not. I don't think so. Wasn't, uh... Oh, here it is. Nope, she's not in the poster. So if it's... Co- uh, but we know she's coming out with The Amazing Spider-Man. Wait, what's The Amazing Spider-Man? It was... Oh, did you not see this? I don't there remember There was that. a, uh... uh oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now I remember, there was yes. That, I can't remember what it was called, but it was like a retail it release uh, uh-huh. expectation form. So basically, like, get your pre-orders in for this stuff. Right. But yeah, it's a it's um. Yeah, that's how we knew about Falcon and uh, Captain America and Iron or War Machine first. We that's the right. first time we knew about that. So it's Black Cat, Amazing Spider Man. We find out we're getting Spider Man two. We're getting Black Cat with him. We knew she was coming, but now we know she's with him. Mm-hmm. We knew that uh, Captain Captain America two, which we found out through the picture, is going to be Falcon, and that's probably for the Falcon TV show coming out. And he's coming out with War Machine. That was the first time we knew about War Machine. That's right. I, I think told... everything else on there we knew about. We just didn't know when. Yeah. I forgot that The Amazing Spider-Man because that's when, as soon as I saw that, that's the first. Is it weird that the very first thing I thought of when I saw The Amazing Spider-Man was, ah, please just give me an Invincible Iron Man. <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> like I'm excited for Amazing yeah, Spider-Man. Yeah, I'd like to see another Iron but Man. But I want, I want another Iron Man so bad. It makes me so mad. That he's such a big deal in the MCU, he's such a big deal in the Marvel Universe, and we got that three-point podunk turret bullshit. I don't like it. I want, I want him to a, be a super he's dynamic a cool good, character. He's a good learner character. Don't shit on him. He's fine. Oh, he's, no, he's, he's not a compelling character. He's a starter box character. He's supposed to be simple and like intuitive. Cool, 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 cool. Make it better. He needs to have You're not all... making it better. You're making a new one. You're saying that there isn't an Iron Man that is complex and compelling, and that's fine. That I'm saying that we should have that, but we we needed the other thing too. Just saying, if you try and throw Doctor Strange and fucking Thanos in the starter box, like that would not have functioned well. No, no, no. I I I'm totally yeah. fine with Iron Man existing as he does right now. I'm not mad that they did that, but I I am excited. That's what, as soon as I saw Amazing Spider-Man, I was like, oh, cool. Another kind of Spider-Man. Maybe this will be more of a skirmisher type than a controller type. That's cool. Uh, or maybe, maybe it'll even be some sort of brawler kind of thing. But it'll be to- also, it'll just be we'll Tony Stark get the... with his house, like Thanos with his throne. <laughs> it'll be Tony Stark with his house. Yeah, Malibu Beach House. Yeah, it'll be cool. Ooh, no. But the thing I'm excited for is I think the the next Peter Parker, the Amazing Spider-Man version, is going to be another leader of Web Warriors. We're going to start seeing a lot more double Mm -hmm. leaders in different factions that'd be cool and not only will that get everybody to shut the fuck up about miles but also give you another way to play web warriors which would make them a much more compelling faction if they weren't all in on control also uh i just realized that it could be it could be uh electronic suit spidey like iron man suit spidey it could be cool the iron spider uh well he was just spider-man when he had the 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 suit designed by Stark, but that's the one that shows up in you know current Marvel MCU stuff. Is it's all tech, yeah. it's techno suit. So what if he's black suit Spider Man? I I wouldn't be mad about that, but I don't think they'll do that. But I don't think they'll do it yet, but they might. Yeah, they'll do it eventually. Absolutely, if they, they will. Somebody yeah, if they make it very aggressive. Absolutely. If they make him very aggressive, it's possible that they could, you know, they could make it black suit. Just make a really um, was Peter Parker supposed to be a better host for Venom than Eddie was? Yeah, because he, he has the genetic 
radiation, like the the inborn power. Like okay, he, so he actually was like mm-hmm. Venom on Spider Man was better than or Venom on Peter was better than Venom on Eddie. Right. Well, he's a he's a okay. symbiote, right? He he yeah. mirrors and and gets stronger with a stronger host. So a symbiote gets stronger regardless of like the potential like the more physical potential the host has the more the symbiote can do and the more the symbiote okay. has so so it was like way better yeah now eddie brock in the comic book has like olympic level strength and speed like he was very sure. very but he's not throwing tractor trucks around no like spider-man yeah right but spider-man also was constantly holding himself back right the symbiote was trying to push him to you know extreme sure. violence and he was holding himself back and Eddie Brock, you know, is the lethal protector. He does what he does what the fuck he wants. No, right. I get that. I just I was reading uh, for Marvel Strike Force. The SSM's passive is uh-huh. perfect, perfect host. host. So I was just curious if he was actually the perfect host. Yeah, and it sounds I, like he is. Yeah, I don't know if except, he's. Except, go ahead. I was to say I saw a. I don't know if it's fan art or if it's actually from a comic, but Venom attaching himself to Thanos, and I thought that was pretty cool. That's that's. I think it's fan art, but symbiotes. The symbiote race, like it's a total, it's a race. Oh no, I can't there's remember. a bunch of them. I used to know the name of their race, um, and in Clintar. the mo- yeah, that's it, Clintar. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, yeah, duh. And yeah. So, it's and, on the fucking Venom card. I, of course. I, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> and the Clintar, but the Clintar race in the Marvel universe is like deathly feared. Like they can't. Like they've been. Yeah. They've been they've been functionally neutered by the more advanced races of the universe because of how terrifying they are. Um, yeah. And the reason why is when they get a hold of somebody like the gladiator, the leader of the Imperial Guard, like, they're just yeah. like how do you fucking stop that symbiote? Right. Like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So because they get so much stronger, depending upon the race they encounter, um, they are they're, you know, super, super potential. Um, so, yeah, it's 